coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, recapping another round of A-League Men action and fair few interesting results from the weekend, which we did go through. Western United breaking their uh, hoodoo or, or recent bad run of form. We had uh, Western Sydney beating Adelaide, three straight losses for Adelaide. Uh, the Jets snatching a point against Perth. Victory uh, thrashing Sydney, really, in, in the big blue quite comfortably. Uh, Sydney and the Mariners playing just an unbelievable game, um, particularly in that second half at Amy Park. Wow, that was uh, incredible, as, as you'll hear me talk about in the podcast. Um, and then we also saw uh, MacArthur uh, go down to Wellington 3-0. Wellington back on top of the league as well. Uh, and I just have a feeling over these next few weeks that whoever's leading the, uh, the pack, that's going to be changing uh, quite regularly because, yeah, at the moment, uh, no one um, is really pulling away yet. Um, but we do have, uh, I think, quite a few quite a few good teams at the top. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, the next month or so as well, looks like we're going to see, um, you know, quite a few teams actually have to deal with busy schedules. So the A-League uh, is in a very interesting spot right now. Um, not very predictable. Um, and you know what? That's that's how we like it. But without further ado, I am your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back with another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast and uh, another interesting week as always in the A-League Men or weekend um, and yeah, this uh, this league continues to surprise, intrigue, um, excite and um, yeah, a whole bunch of games that we're going to go through here uh, and dissect um, again like we did last week. Hopefully though, we are going to do that in a much uh, more timely, shorter fashion. Um, yes, hopefully. Anyway, um, now joining me, joining me tonight for the podcast. Only got three of us on, so two two guys joining me: Cody Ajada and Jack Twohill, who were both on last week. Yes, am I allowed to say unfortunately? Uh, you can, <laughs> uh, but you're probably not going to be on next week. Um, uh, I'm remember- hosting next week. Oh yeah, shit yeah, you are hosting next week because I won't be here. I, I remember um, having a nap. Um, I don't know how much about a podcast, yeah. but I remember having a, a fever yeah. dream yeah, about Jack- the A-League. <laughs> <laughs> Jack had a nap during our 45-minute debate about MacArthur. Uh, so that's what we're going to try and avoid here. Uh, anyway, Cody, um, without being a shithead, can you uh, answer how you're uh, how you're going today? <laughs> I'm allowed to be a bit more of a shithead and say I'm really, really tired and like life has been... I won't say life's been beating me down, but you know what? The bus has got hands. What'd you say? <laughs> I'm not, I'm like, life hasn't beaten me down yet, but like the guy's got hands and like he's getting me pretty good. Yeah. But other than that, like I am happy talking football. Football is a very happy part of my life, as is my wedding planning. Um, other parts, not so much. Yes, we got a uh, we got a husband to be uh, on uh, on the on the uh, podcast. Um, is that a humble brag or am I allowed to like actually no, I'm just, about that? I'm, I'm just stating a fact, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's something I'm very proud of and something I'm definitely looking forward to. But not as actually no, I'm not gonna say that because then my fiance will kill me when she listens back to this. 
I am as almost as excited to be here as I am for my wedding. There we go. Don't kill me, Tori. Sorry, Tori. All right. Um, Mommy's in the air on the FPF podcast. Yeah. And, and, and Jack uh, joins us again. Uh, hopefully not trying to um, let chaos reign so much this week, Jack. Uh, yes, hopefully. But um, we've, you know, I think consistently make concerted efforts to, uh, you know, block the chaos out of the FPF podcast. But um, through no fault of my own, it ends up happening anyway. So I think um, through we'll see all fault of your own. I, I think through sole fault of you. Um... <laughs> but I, I, if I speak, I'm in trouble. Um, you know, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, possibly. Um, nah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Interesting introductions, as always. Um, let's start. Let's let's get into this. Let's not waste any time. Um, Western and Brisbane, uh, the Aloisi Derby, as it was, um, probably. Um, you know, oversaturated with the marketing of of that. Um, but anyway, you know, it works. Um, it kind of played out during the game. We saw we saw kind of the the <laughs> the pure Aloisi experience uh play out. So you know, kind of worked, I guess. Um, yeah. So Western United, um, just just a massive win. Um, for for Western United, um, you could see it in the John Aloisi. I guess antics, if you want to call it, um, I'd probably just call it more passion because there seemed like just a build up of. I mean, Brisbane took the lead in this game, but they weren't great. Um, Western were probably the better team. I'd say pretty much from start to finish, um, and yeah, you go one nil down again. You don't get there was a goal disallowed, you know. Uh, which, again, that's not the first time that's happened for West United this season. So you can feel if you're John Aloisi, things are just constantly going against you and you're just frustrated. Now, it's unclear whether when he kicked the advertising, uh, whatever we, what do you call that? The the, the advertising thing. Is that a hoarding? Advertising little hoarding. triangle. Yeah, I think it's a hoarding. Um, And when he kicked it, I think he said afterwards, I'm not sure whether he kicked it out of like, a release of frustration because he thought they had scored or because the goal got disallowed because that was for that disallowed goal by Pena. Either way, they got the points um, and there was just way more energy I felt about them. We spoke about them last week, basically had a crisis talk about them at the start. And Jack, I remember I remember as I was watching this game, you talking about how stale they were last week. And then all of a sudden, we saw a team that was far more energetic. They're winning the ball higher. Uh, they're pressing well. Um, and then we also saw, which might have been a byproduct of this, I, I don't know, but Lucky Wales was shifted back on the right. Daniel Pena was moved central, so that change was made by John Aloisi, maybe admitting some sort of defeat there with with the way that he set up the um set up the the team in the opening rounds. Um, but yeah, there was also you know a guy I, I need to get cut. To give kudos to um, because I did rinse him for his performances last week and that's Josh Risden who I don't I'll be honest I don't think he was necessarily great in this game but he is the captain and he stepped up when it mattered so you know you have to give him kudos for that so a good response by him um, and for Western too another interesting thing was that they actually want to Amy Park again and weirdly 
even though that's not where they want to pace themselves, they actually seem to have a pretty decent record at Amy Park of late. I mean, it's only the only two games I've won this season have been at Amy Park. And they do seem to play just better there. I don't know if there's any sort of reasoning behind that. Um, and from a raw perspective, at least what I witnessed, um, we saw a really frustrated Ross Aloisi because I think, you know, you're probably just expecting... You had a team which was so low on confidence. You've gone and got a pretty good win in Adelaide the week before. Now you've got to go on with it again, back it up. And Brisbane just didn't really turn up in this game. He again operated with that that Coletti, Jay O'Shea, uh, Taris Gamulka midfield, which worked really well in Adelaide. We saw Joe Coletti kind of play a little bit higher, operating between the lines. Um, didn't quite work out for them in this game as much as it did uh, in Adelaide. Um, and yeah, the there was... You know, even even when Jay O'Shea, Jay O'Shea sorry, scored the opening goal, the penalty, Ross, the camera. I remember the camera panned to Ross Aloisi, and he still had this look on his face like he was going to kill someone. Like he was not happy at all. Uh, and you can tell he's definitely a performance-driven coach, um, and that's what he prioritizes first. Um, so yeah, and then we saw, I guess, his frustrations go over the top at full time. It seemed like him and it looked like Matt Sut- Sutton, uh, the Western backup goalkeeper, were getting into it about something uh full time with the handshakes. So yeah, certainly the Aloisi Derby, let's put it that way. And anyone anyone who comes from where I am here in South Australia and knows, you know, the Aloisi family, um, yeah, they have a tendency to get fired up. Let's put it that way. Uh and we certainly saw that um on on Friday. So yeah, um and then the other thing we have to mention was the commentator chaos that ensued. In, uh, in this game, which literally had me so confused as well. I think, um, I can't remember who the commentators were on this game. My apologies off the top of my head, but they just did not know. Grace Gill was one of them, actually, and they were not sure whether Pena's goal had been disallowed for about five minutes. Um, and that was just kind of a classic PK League moment as well. Um, so, yeah. Basically, just a lot of fun, this one. A lot of fun. So, Cody, I'll throw to you first. What uh, what did you make of this game? It's funny, actually. Look, I was obviously at Wanderers in Adelaide, so I wasn't watching this live. I've caught up on it since, but in real time, I was getting notifications from it. I got the notification to say it was disallowed, and then I saw all your messages coming through like, oh, isn't it one all? Isn't it one all? And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? So... Yeah, I don't know if someone got sacked in the green room at Paramount after that, but uh, another gaffe. Brisbane, I think, can be really, really succinct. Poor performance, probably an anomaly. We'll see how they kind of move on from this because Brisbane have been quite impressive since Ross Aloise has come in. This, this game, they were not impressive at all. No. But I don't think it's something to harp on about because, well, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. It could just be very well be a bad day. Weston's the one that I think deserves a lot of attention because, and rightly so, we were very, very critical of them last week. And it's the exact reaction what they you need from me. Talking about the team playing with a lot more energy. John Aloisi on the sidelines got a lot more passion in his conduct. Whether he crossed the line or not, yes, that's for people at home to decide. I guess it's for us to decide technically, but I don't necessarily want to. But it's what we need from him. It's what Western United fans would have wanted to see from them today. Not today, Friday a side that is going out there and showing that they want to die for the badge, they want to go out there and get three points, that they know they're in a rut and they need to turn things around and they're going to do whatever it takes to get themselves out of that. 
And Sona says it all the time. This is a league without relegation. It's a league that you should be able to play without fear. So a game like this where, okay, we're seven seven rounds in, our season's not going anywhere we need it to be. I hope it's not eight. Otherwise, my math is incorrect and Uh, very, very poor. That that, that was round eight just then. My apologies. Last week was round seven when they were in crisis mode. We're eight rounds in. Well, they were seven rounds in before the game. Anyway, I spent too much time on that. We're seven rounds in. If we have a turnaround, if we have a turnaround now, we actually could make a slight push for finals in some fantasy world. I'm not going to get into that with you, Christian, because I know you're going to say. Oh man, no, yeah, let's not let's not do this. I mean, the league's only eight eight rounds old. But anyway, yes, keep keep. What I'm trying to say is, it's early in the season. We started really poorly, but if we make a turnaround now, who knows where we could go. It's the exact reaction that you want to see. A team that's going to play with fight, that's going to try and play on the front foot, despite in any other league in the world, they'd be facing relegation. You don't have that kind of, let's just say something, that factor hanging over your head. You don't have to worry about that. So you can go and play without fear and you can go and play with energy and see basically what comes out of it. And it's absolutely brilliant for us United. It's something that their fans deserve, something that their fans, I'm sure, would have been wanting to see for God knows how long. And they've done well to implement it today. You talk about the Ross Alo- the Aloisi derby or anything like that. I'll be honest, I don't really care about gimmicks like that. It's cool that there's two brothers playing against, it, they're coaching against each other, but I don't, I'm not here to say, oh, it's the Aloisi derby. It's, it's it's a game that there's. I, mean, no, I was just saying, I was just saying, it was fiery as oh. you would expect from these two characters. Oh no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the whole lead up and like oh, yeah. doing extra promotion for it, saying, oh, the Aloisi derby. Like who cares? Like a couple of posts in the lead up saying, oh, yeah, Ross and John are going to play um, face each other as coaches. It'll be the first time it's happened in the A-League. Great. Move on. Because I can guarantee you they're going to do this every other time. Brisbane and Western are play each other this season, and it's going to get really annoying eventually. But mm-hmm. you say you say to yourself, I, I can't say I know the Aloisi family very intimately. I only see what I see on a screen. John Aloisi does have a tendency to get fired up. I think we've seen it throughout his coaching career, he does have a tendency to maybe toe the line of his conduct. But I think how he exerted it on in that game on Friday, he did kind of need to, all things considered. Well, I think I think it kind of in that scenario, like you can you could kind of feel like Western like I remember I remember when they lost a few games there in that in that really bad run and the the noise from them seemed to still very much be like no like you know we know like that we're losing and stuff but we really have faith that it'll be all right and everything will be all right and at a certain point then you lose four nil to the mariners and it's like okay i'm starting to think that you're talking shit but then then you then you perform like that with such unity and then you see to your point cody i think the players responded to aloisi actually like being sent off actually like you know, showing that passion. Like it kind of, it almost, that final kind of 30 minutes started to feel like it's like a grand final that they were treating it like, like we have to win this game. So um, no, kudos to them for for responding in the way they did. Jack, the question now is, um, can they build from this now? Can can we see the West United, which I think many people thought were going to be a lot better than what they've shown so far? Um. It, it's it's definitely more promising than it was last week. Uh, let's put it that way. And and certainly, you know, a few weeks before, I mean, I think there was 
there should have been alarm bells during that 1-0 loss against the Newcastle Jets and, and Aloisi should have tried to shake things up tactically a little bit sooner. But um, credit to him, you know, he he's, like we discussed last week, I'm not going to get too much into it, but it seems like he likes his system and he wants his players to fit his system. To his mm. credit, he, he shifted Lachlan Wales. He, yeah, he kept, he kept the same system. He just shifted two players. That's uh, all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still, you know, for a guy who has won an A-League championship, who um, I don't think stubborn is the right word. I think that he just likes his system and he believes in his system, which which any um, successful coach would do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to give him a little bit of credit there for, for noticing that, you know, maybe a few games, you know, later than he would have liked to, but actually making the change. And and Daniel Pena in the middle, it's just where he's, he's, he's you know, likes to play. I mean, you know, he floats out wide and he does go into space, but he's that number sort of 10 that, that does like to express himself and he, he needs to have the room to move. He needs to be allowed the space um, to, to be a free form midfielder and, and, you know, in some cases, shadow striker, depending on how high of a line you play. And I think that really worked for Weston. Whilst, you know, they got a penalty and then Josh Risden scored from a corner in stoppage time, um, they were firmly, I think, well, not firmly, but were in the driver's seat towards the end of that game. Mm. And the stats reflect that. They had seven shots on target. I think that uh, Macklin Freak had a pretty good performance. I think that with Pena pretty much operating at the top of the box, he, that's that's where players feel pressure. And um, to expose that from a team in Brisbane that has been on a pretty good run lately, I think is promising for Western. Um, I thought Lachlan Wales being shifted out to the right, I thought he played really well. I think that physically he's a, he's a good player. He's got a lot of speed. He's, he's fairly built. He can hold off players as well. And if you have to shift someone out to the wing that, you know, maybe naturally isn't a winger, Lockie Wales is an excellent I mean, he's a winger. He, he, he is a winger. It's, it was so obvious. Like, yeah, yeah, even, yeah. yeah in the past, he's, he's played like multiple roles in the attack and his versatility, yeah. I think, is one of his better qualities is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think that um, Western can possibly use this as a platform um, as long as they don't get sucked into old habits you know you can question the tactics as much as you want but i think they were error prone um as well which which didn't really help them earlier this season of course you know as as cody alluded to they had some disallowed goals and some stop start momentum in some games due to you know whatever may happen in terms of you know var getting involved or or whatever about that but um as long as they can avoid falling back into the the patterns that we've seen in the last couple of weeks i certainly think that this result can perhaps spur them on um to to a few other decent results uh you know i think just yeah aloisi he's he's a very passionate guy and um you can set on the side lines you know getting sent off there um but if he can uh, sort of maintain his composure a bit more and be a bit braver um, with his tactical decisions and, and I think just trust himself more than anyone else, I think that Western can certainly improve upon their current sort of second last standing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you still mentioned, you mentioned the errors in recent weeks. There kind of was still one in the lead up to that Brisbane goal uh, and the penalty. Western kind of gave the ball away. Uh, Seth Pasquale making the challenge on, on Tom Waddingham. Um, and 
seemed to me like there was enough contact there for the penalty. I don't think there's too much debate on that one. Um, one change which I'm interested to see if John Aloisi makes maybe next week, Cody, is Rami Nazarene starting maybe over Riku Danzaki um, because I am just not seeing it with Riku at the moment. Um, he's nowhere near the player that he was in, I think it was the first season when he was at the Raw. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, had, he had two stints at the Raw, that's right. And that first stint was really good. But it's not working. And more to the point, with Wales on the right, like for Western, just looking at their team, for me, it seems like it's really important that they've got wingers who are on their natural side. Um, and you saw that with Wales in this game. So many 1v1s in the first half. Get the ball out to him. Get him in 1v1s. See what he can do. Whether it's taking on the fullback to the line, getting a cross in, bringing the ball inside, whatever. And I just with Danzaki, every time he gets it, you know he's going to come inside because he's right-footed. Whereas someone like Nazarene, can go to the line. He can bring the ball inside. We know he's technically very sound. I think it's maybe an opportunity to give him a little bit of a run in in the starting eleven potentially. So you're talking about players playing on their natural side. Nazarene, sorry, Nazarene historically is more of a ten, more of a central player. So mm. are you really? I guess in terms of style of play, in this you system, he's not style. really going to play there. That's the problem. Well, because he got Pena in front of him, I'd be very surprised yeah. if someone like Nazarene's moving someone like Pena. That'd be a very, very wild call. But we saw it. You could use the same argument, Dunzaki, really. Dunzaki, in his first in Brisbane role, when he was doing quite well, was used primarily, I think, pretty sure it was used primarily as a central player from memory. So I think, I think, so I think, if I remember from, he was. It's a long time not, ago now. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. It wasn't so much, and any Brisbane fans listening, by all means, feel free to correct me. But off the top of my head, he was more of an inside forward. So he's playing a little bit closer Possibly. to the striker. Possibly. As opposed to maybe being an out and out winger. Because. Yeah. Yeah, definitely four, wasn't four, two like this. Um, well, four two three one really when it when it's in possession. Yeah, you're kind of playing really on the line as a winger, and yeah, I just, I just, there are certain teams where if you invert the wingers, I think it makes sense. I think with Western, I want naturally footed wingers who can go one v one because I've got a, a guy like Noah Bothich in the box who I can get balls into, or I've got. Maybe Pena, so I don't want wingers coming inside and maybe crowding his space either. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and you mentioned Bodich as well. The biggest thing that I said about him last week was, is he getting the right service? Mm. You change the players around him or put players around in that suit trying to get him the ball. You're making a massive difference there. Just in general terms in Nazarene, I would like to see him at least come into the side a little bit more, to be fair, because... I do think he's a very good player. I almost forgot he was a Western player because I'd seen that little of him in recent yeah. weeks. So, you know, you're talking about a very talented player wherever you put him on the field. Definitely someone that, you know, whichever way you put it, whichever way you try to dress it, him getting more game time does make me more happy, if that's how you want to mm. put it. Mm. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I'd just be interested to see one week, see Rami Nazarene maybe start um, and, and see how Western go. Um, all right, let's move on. Okay, so the Wanderers in Adelaide, uh, Western Sydney winning this one 1-0. Um, first of all, team selection point of view, Valentino Yule came in for his first start. He actually played over 60 minutes in this game, which is a big tick uh, if you're Valentino Yule and if you're Marco Rudin, seeing that. Uh, Lockie Brook came out. Uh, and we also saw an interesting change. Aiden Simmons actually came in. Tate Russell was dropped for this game, uh, an interesting one. Um, and as 
from an Adelaide point of view, though, was where the interesting selection really happened in this game. Um, Calviert went with something a little bit different, where he played all four of Ryan Tunnicliffe, Zach Clough, Ethan Alligich, and Luke Duzell. And it almost felt like he was trying to play some kind of box midfield shape in this game um, with Ryan Tunnicliffe kind of as a six, Ethan Alligich dropping deeper sometimes too as kind of a second six, and then Duzell and Clough playing a little bit higher. Clough sometimes playing occupying wider spaces sometimes coming inside so a little bit interesting Adelaide haven't really structured their midfield like that uh, at all this season so a real departure there um, and then Johnny Yell was on the bench again now I'm assuming again it's managing minutes but he was also on the bench last week so I was a little bit surprised to see that Nesta was obviously rested in this game uh, on the bench and brought on a half time and in terms of the centre-back pairing Carl Viet said during the week that his main pair was uh, Alex Popovich and Nick Ansel. And as soon as those two are available again, they've come straight back in. So pretty clear who he favors um, in in that regard. And just on that kind of system that Viet went with at the start, a bit more fluid with, seemed like what he was trying to go with. And I just, it was strange though, because he went with this. And as some people point out, Ethan Alligich seemed clearly underdone when it came to minutes clearly hasn't had enough minutes off the bench and it was hauled at half time because of that. And then we saw Adelaide just depart from that system at the start and go to their usual kind of 4-3-3, which kind of begs the question of, okay, not too sure why you had to change the system at all because as some Adelaide fans I saw point out, you know, Bernardo could have just started if you were going to rest Nesta, for example, which is fair enough, I think, too. So just some interesting stuff, I think, from Carl Viet, some interesting questions, uh, for, for him and his, his his selection. From a Wanderers point of view, we saw Tom Beadling come off and we saw the Jarrett Hendricks at centre-back kind of... Um, I don't want to call it an experiment because it's something which clearly seems to work. Um, so, you know, he's... And Cody's shaking his head. And I know maybe you don't want him to play at centre-back. <laughs> that's that's probably why. But, man, he is good can, as can a left-side centre-back. Can I just butt in here yeah, quickly? Yeah. Because, look, he's, he's a great centre-back, but it's not because he's a great centre-back. It's just because he's a great footballer. Yeah. yeah. Him, it annoy, it's, and it comes from Wanderers centre-back depths kind of being a little bit depleted at the moment. They don't really have a recognised partner for Marcelo. Uh, Bonatti's obviously been out injured as well. Beedling, Beedling's not even 100% out-and-out centre-back himself. He is a bit more of a six. So... They've kind of been forcing that change. Obviously, when he's gone down, they've only had Priestman to bring in. Hendricks has had to move to the back. And look, it works as a short-term solution, but it's a couple of times I've had to do it now. And I say this more as just a general fan of the game. It is quite a loss because I said it at the start of the season, this guy has the potential to be the best center mid in the competition. You, you kind of want to see him play center mid. Yeah, but I mean, I guess his hand was forced a little bit. In those two occasions, yeah, that he but you could also back. name a centre back on the bench and alleviate that issue. No, but I, if I'm not mistaken, Donny Gerdich and Anthony, oh, it's a Don't really long, It's a no. Oh, Pent, uh, Pentopolis. Yeah, sure it's it a long Greek surname. You got to, yeah. you got to bear with me there. Um, <laughs> but even um, him, he's more of a left back. Yeah, but I'm not too sure if they were fit. Um, for, yeah, no, they're both. I'm pretty sure they're both um, got injury concerns. That, that's right. So. Um, you know, obviously, that's kind of why they're having to do I this at the moment. It's just, yeah. I don't, I'm worried people are going to kind of get used to it and go, oh, yeah, let him play centre back, let him play centre back. But you lose mm. a very, very good part of Wanderers midfield when you mm. do that. Mm. So that's why I don't really want to get used to it. 
I'm not saying it's a bad. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a short term solution, and I'm not saying it's bad that he was playing there or that he underperformed or anything like that. He was absolutely brilliant. But yeah. imagine uh, what, what yeah. it's going to be like when he's fully fit in his natural position. Because, and look, I had a conversation. You're talking about Jorah Hendricks. Yeah, I, I think he looks fit to me. Uh, well, look, when I spoke to Rudin, I think it was after the West United game. He said he wouldn't be at his best until probably halfway through the season. So we're probably still mm. a few weeks away off that. Obviously, I'm just going off what I'm being told by the coach, but yeah. I'm excited to see how he is when he hits that point. I've had conversations with the people that obviously know him a lot more, and they say, like, as an eight, he will be brilliant. So I'm, I want to see him as an eight, and I want to see how he yeah, well, that's when a, he's yeah. at 100% that's gonna be interesting because he, it's going to be a scary start for the rest of the league, I reckon. Yeah, he's kind of been playing in a pivot, though, with, with Josh Berlante, so... I wouldn't say it's the pivot. They, I think they are trying to kind of play with two box-to-box midfielders. It's it's yeah. a wonder side. They're, it's a rooting side. They're obviously going to be built on fitness levels, very hardworking. You're not going to have two guys defense that are going to really kind of sit well. in. The defense solidarity as well. But you're not going to have two guys that are just going to kind of sit there. They're going to get up and back. They're going to do the hard yards. They're not going to kind of play that DM role. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know. From what I'm seeing so far, it's a bit more of a conservative maybe midfield selection but anyway it, look it worked for them in this game to a T because you know they were very happy to defend their 1-0 lead uh, and with good reason because Adelaide were really poor in possession in this game they created very little except for the last 10 minutes which kind of is a little bit of an outlier because you had an extra man and you were just kind of pumping the ball into the box it's kind of difficult I feel sometimes to judge a game when it gets like that um and but the main thing from a Wanderers' point of view was they kind of corrected their slow starts to games a little bit here because the last couple of weeks they've had this inability to hit the ground running and conceded um, you know early goals. It's not even the last couple of weeks we we saw it against Newcastle um, going two 0 down, <clears throat> and then of course we saw it um, against Brisbane as well. So they corrected that because from the off they were they were really on top in this game. Um, I thought and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and the other thing we saw was a good 30 minutes or so for, for Marcus Yunus, your boy, uh, both of you, because you were literally whacking lyrical about him on the, uh, on the podcast last week. Was that week. Jack or Jake? No, that was, that was Jack and you. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that was Jack and you. Yeah. We, we made some big calls that we might have to, you know, answer. You basically like. called him the, like, like he might eclipse Neymar's ceiling. Like it was like, I, it was. Well, no. we said it was the Aussie Neymar. I don't know if we said he'd eclipse Neymar. Okay, I don't know if we went that far. Come on, come on. Don't, don't be taking those kind of receipts. There's a dodgy. <laughs> nah, um, no, nah, no. Nah, but he, yeah, you can see he's got something about him. Um, a tough game probably to come into because they were protecting that lead. Um, and yeah, I thought Lawrence Thomas was pretty solid in this game too. Um, and he's kind of continued to have a really, really strong uh, start to the season as well. Um, and Last thing from me on this uh, with Adelaide was just that system, again, quite interesting because it seemed like in this game they really wanted Ryan Kiddo to get forward way more and provide kind of all of the width down the left. down the left, um, And Ben Halloran kind of was almost closer to like a wingback in this game with his positioning because, because we know Giuseppe Bobolina and how he likes to come inside and basically just go wherever. Um, who for an eighteen-year-old, like his confidence and just free roaming and and going wherever he wants on the pitch is is kind of cool to watch. Um, so I don't know, maybe some food for thought there 
um, because I didn't mind it as a system from Adelaide, but I think the fundamental issue was Ethan Alligich wasn't fit and it's kind of weird to suddenly change it to a different system and then change back to your old system at half time. That kind of amused me a little bit. But uh, Jack, what did you say? Um, I think, look, the, the system didn't work. I think that also, you know, Wanderers in this particular set of circumstances um, are going to give you most of the ball. So uh, it doesn't seem to me like you, you need a bit of flair. You need a... You need someone. Well, you, you, like you definitely Bernardo. need to get on the ball for that system to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, that's what I'm trying to say. I think yeah. that it could have worked better if you started Hiroshi Ibasuki because all else fails if you have someone who's. I know Jovanovic has his own physical qualities, but Hiroshi Ibasuki, in the way he can command a box on certain occasions, I think. But you know, have... it's more. If I could just, just it's a really yeah. good point because. As much as I've been critical of Hiroshi Ibasuki and his, for me, just lack of impact on Adelaide United since he's been there, I think actually in that system, if they do play a box midfield like that with essentially wingbacks and you've got two tens playing off him, essentially, he could be a bit more effective there. His problem is when I watch him, and he did it when he came on in this game, is that his positioning at times is just fundamentally wrong. Like you have to stay central. The ball yep. would go out to wingers and he's like going across and asking the ball to his feet. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's like, it's like, you know, me and Jack watch NBA. It's like a big man, like, you know. Trying to be ask, a point guard. You yeah, know, like, like, or like, you know, asking for a post offense. up when it's like, just, it's like, let let the guard like get into ISO mode. Like, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. uh, that's actually a really good example, actually. Sorry. If, if it's, yeah. Some, a lot of people probably uh, yeah, didn't to, understand To me, that. Uh, you, you say, you know, you're trying to box out it's almost like Hiroshi Ibasuki was trying to box out from the mid range, like outside of the, the key. It was very weird. And I think that, um, look, I, I don't, don't know if like this was necessary, but Carl Veer, like I understand yeah. why he did it. I understand that. Well, I, I think he wanted to refresh things because yeah. they'd had these kind of stale performances, but yeah. But, but I don't think this was the way to do it. I think that, you know, I think you just have to challenge the players that were playing in the system. Because we saw earlier on in the season, when it works, it's phenomenal and it's really exciting to watch, right? We saw that in the very first game of the season where they absolutely smacked Melbourne City, right? Second game, yeah. Uh, they Second also smacked the Mariners in the first game. So Yeah, yeah and they smacked the Mariners in the first game. Well, they were smacking people, all right? And they had me <laughs> calling them for uh, grand final. So, eh. Um... <laughs> I tell you, one half of that prediction is doing all right after this weekend, but... <laughs> Look, 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 50% are past, right? We, yeah. we're, we're doing past fails here. Um, I did tell you not to overreact about Adelaide, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think that if you, you rotate, you know, like you said, Bernardo in there. Um, also, like, Kiddo, for me, he just doesn't have an in him to bomb up anymore. I know that in the past he's had that capability and, and he could be utilised going up and down, but I just think that, if you're going to use him, you have to use him as a traditional fullback these days. He, he just doesn't have it in him. And, and that's not trying to discredit him as a player. I think that Ryan, Ryan Kiddo, he, he's, he's a good A-League player and he's great to have around Adelaide United. I just don't think that he's capable of doing that at all. Look, and, mm. and, and, and just to get to you, mm. I, I know it's like 
his his big calling card was that ability to get up and down. But he's just he's past his peak, and that's what happens. And I think you just got to challenge the players that are in that lineup. Like instead of bringing in a midfielder for Nestoria and Kunda, like you said, bring in Bernardo. You know, play play the same system, but challenge the players that were starting and, and sort of light a fire under them because the. You know, there's a difference, and we talk about stale performances. I'm going to go back to Western United because you called them stale last week. Mm. That was tactically stale. That was when that the system was stale. This was more like the pl- you weren't getting the best out of players, and the only way to get the best out of individuals is to make it seem like there's an equal and obvious replacement for them on any game day squad. And I think with the, playing the system, you don't necessarily achieve you know, either solving the tactical stability, if there is any, or lighting a fire underneath, you know, a player like Nestoria and Kunda or Johnny Yule or Hiroshi Ibisuki to improve their performances. Yeah, on the kiddo thing, I mean, look, I I wrote about this um, after they played Brisbane. For me, he's not a fullback um, at this level. um, And I will defend that opinion uh, to to anyone. Um, And, but... The real issue with him um, and lasting from me on this game is, and this ties into what you're saying, Jack, is if you're going to struggle defensively, that's okay. But you've got to be able to make that up with really good offensive output. And he's not doing that at the moment. And this, to be fair, that that was not on him on Friday night. As we're just saying, Adelaide just did not get enough of the ball to be effective in this game um, in, the, in, the, in the periods where it mattered um, anyway. They did in the second half um, after after the Wanderers went down to ten, but yeah, um, it's just yeah that's it's a weak area. It's a weak area for Adelaide at the moment, and I can just see it kind of continually being exposed uh, throughout the season. I mean, the goal did kind of come from that area of the pitch again. Nice nice goal as well by by Dylan Pierce. We should mention. Um, only other thing was the red card for me it was a red card. Um, Cody was <laughs> look, smiling now. Look, look, look. Was was pushing back as we were watching the game. I was skeptical. I'll say that much. The more I look at it, the worse it gets. I'll say say that. It's not the prettiest challenge. I think the only thing that I worry about is, and I'm going to look at things in the grand scheme of things here, at what point do you sit there and go, you're going to get to a point where players are just no longer going to be able to defend. They're not going to be able to reach a ball. My defense with Barate would have studs up with his ankle. Like it's yeah, not- look, that part wasn't great, but there was also the fact that he was looking at the ball, had ice of the ball, and it wasn't overly far above the ground. I think that's probably where I say my differences are. The more I look no, at I, it- I get that. I get that. Because what you're trying to say is like, he's not like he's gone in with intent and excessive yeah. force. I understand. That's that's where I say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I was looking at originally. Yeah. Then you watch it again and think, oh yeah, like, he really didn't get him very well. No, that's the thing. <laughs> like, the thing is, I think with something like that, is at the end of the day, this is where referees need to be transparent with players and say, listen, if you're going to make decisions like that to go in and you don't get it right, then I am going to give you a red card, essentially. Like, that's that that will be the punishment. Like, it's it's one extreme or the other. You go in and you win the ball, or you go in, get it wrong, and you're off. Like, that's what one of those scenarios were. Um, and I think Josh Palante just was slightly late on that one. I don't think he meant it. I, I agree with you. But at the end of the day, you studs up, you're high, you got to go, I think. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's where the first part is where I kind of want to give him a bit of leeway and go, if your player's not going in with intent, we shouldn't just be quick to go, okay, send him off, send him off. 
you miss him and you get a little bit high above the leg. Obviously, ref's got to make a decision there. I'm not going to sit here and defend this opinion that he shouldn't have been sent off till I die. It is definitely not that clear cut, but I think there is an, argu- an argument in the grand scheme of things to say you don't want to push it too far to a point where a player is not going to be able to go in and defend at all because then that just ruins the game in a completely different way as well. Um, before I know you said that was the last point you want to talk about, I do think that we'd... I'm not going to say we need to have another massive conversation about the one. No, 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 no. We, we're, we're going to move piece. on to say. <laughs> I do want to say a quick piece. And the fact yeah. that the reality is this is a side that as much as, you know, people may have their doubts about them, there was a bit of turnover and a lot of people were kind of questioning if they could build on from last year. I try to say they look better. I'd like to think to a certain extent that that's sort of coming true. It's taking a while. They, it about is the Wanderers? Of, yeah, it is a yeah. little bit of a slow build, but between some of the young players that have come in, some of the signings that they've made, I think they deserve a lot of credit with what they've done over the off-season trying to bring some of these young players in. The signings that they've made, it is quite good, and I think one thing that does get overlooked about them, even when they're not overly clinical or overly dominant, they do have this uncanny ability to be able to see a result out of a game. Yeah. Even those games that we looked at and they've been quite poor, I'm mainly looking at the Newcastle Jets and Brisbane Raw games, they find a way to get a result. They almost found a way to get a result against Melbourne Victory. And when you've got a side like that where even on your bad days you're getting something out of, that's a sign of a good team. And I, you know, you want to talk about Jack brought up the grand final conversation in round three. So I feel like I could I can bring it up in round eight. Maybe last week was our grand final preview. Possibly. I mean, you know what my opinion is on any of these. It's too early. It's too early. But what I'm saying is this Wanderers side, and it is a club that can, I think this is a side that will be able to build as we go on in the season. I think you're looking at a side that Uh, is in for a very good season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. I, I, I would say that. But I'm also wondering whether that's because they're playing a very kind of sheltered style and they're not kind of willing to be more expansive or because they're just... I mean, do you need to be if you're doing, if it's getting your results? No, well, that's right. But that's right. I don't know. But I guess that's kind of... I mean, you look at last year and the Mariners, like the, the winning formula was being expansive and, and you know, um, and going for it. Whereas maybe this year it's going to be different. Like, you know what the... It's we, the exciting we know what the thing about like. this. It's the exciting yeah. thing about this league. There's not necessarily one set tactical trend that yeah. overly dominates what we do. Every year it looks like someone's doing something different. And it's just about whoever does that one thing different the best that comes out on top. And that's something that I like about football in Australia. We don't necessarily have to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Last game uh, before we go to a quick break. Jets, Perth, uh, Jack, Nui Talk. Um, now, interestingly, there, by the way, a lot of talk about from this game. Like a lot to talk about. It was really interesting. Um, not just because there was drama, but just some other stuff as well. Um Newcastle were unchanged for this game. And I can't remember the last time, Jack, I don't know if you can answer this, that Newcastle went into a game actually unchanged from the week before because they just haven't been able to be consistent enough to kind of for each player to, I guess, keep their spot. Um, but I guess, you know, a good sign from that point of view. Um, for Perth, we saw uh, Alex Susnia uh, return at left back, um, which Antonis is not here, but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll chip in for him. He's not a fan of that. Um, and... Uh, we also saw, interestingly, Aaron McEnough and Bruce Kamau not involved in the match day squad at all um, for Perth. And I think Kamau not being involved at all is interesting. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if any of you want to talk about that in a moment. Um, and in terms of the Jets in this game, 
and Jack, I don't know if you noticed this, but system-wise, they actually were a little bit different in this game. Um, they were very expansive um, in this game. So we saw kind of like a 3-1-5-1 is kind of how I devised it. <laughs> when And I, yeah, I don't know, Jack, if you saw things differently, but we saw, Aiden, um, not Aiden O'Neill, Brandon O'Neill, which he often does, and he did this at Sydney FC. It kind of suits him, where he rotates out of midfield and often joins joins the two centre-backs, um, drops deeper, and that kind of formed a three for the Jets in possession. And then Costa Grozov sat at the base by himself. Uh, Piscopo played more centrally as a 10, and then Aquilina and, and, and Clayton Taylor kind of played in the half spaces. That's, that's how I saw it uh, on either side. Then we saw Moragas and Daningham basically instructed to play like wingbacks, essentially, uh, which for Lucas Moragas is kind of a pretty cool role. Uh, I think he, I think he excels there. Uh, and then, of course, the the uh, uh, the one of the league's most informed strikers at the moment. We'll talk about him in a second. Apostolos Stamatopoulos leading the line um, for for the Jets. So interesting system wise there. Um, but the problem with the Jets in this game was kind of like Adelaide and how I've spoken about them a little bit, was they showed their own erratic kind of behavior, uh, um, I guess. Because first half, they were solid. They could have been up by more at the break. And then, like, just crazily threw the game, almost threw the game away completely um, in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Uh, it was It was really bizarre. Like, Perth really, I don't think, did much to kind of take the lead in this game. And Newcastle just, as they have been for a lot of the goals they've conceded, you know, handing goals on a silver platter. Um, and, I mean, even I was thinking when Perth went 2-1 up in this game, and I was thinking to myself, like, I still don't, like, yeah, they kind of pressed a little bit higher after half time. Yes, they kind of came up, came out with a bit more of a desire because clearly they had a rocket kind of put up their, up their backside because they were awful again in this first half. Um, but... I still wasn't convinced by what Perth were doing. It just felt very, still very negative, still very, let's wait for mistakes and then pounce on it. And then kind of unstaggish like again in conceding another late goal, uh, which is becoming a real bad habit with Perth. And another interesting stat from this was they are now nine games without a win against Newcastle, which is actually a mind-boggling stat. Um <laughs> Newcastle are nine games undefeated uh, against against the glory now. Um, only, interestingly though, I think only two of those were like wins. So it's it's kind of been a real stalemate when they played each other. So yeah, and then the Jets as well, seemingly having this issue at home of putting teams away because we saw against the Wanderers, for example, where they were 2-0 up and then they couldn't go on with it. And, you know, they threw it away in that game and they almost completely threw it away here. But good character to 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 kind of get the late equalizer, um, and you know has to be mentioned with with Apostolos Stamatopoulos' form um, looked very sharp again in this game, well taken goal, um, and the other Jets' point of view is that Trent Bahar just shut up Jack. Um, so there you go. How about that? Uh, there's was, a there's a to... there's a talking point I would not have guessed going to the round. Well, for for all the criticism I give him, I I. I... I feel like I also try and give give me some encouragement as well. To I mean, it was a four it yard tap in, but yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to be there. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was interesting you comment on the um the the sort of tactics that the Jets went out there to play with. Uh, I did notice that, and it might have looked that way 
in an attacking sense. I would argue that it was more of a sort of a 4-1, like sort of a 4-1 with... I, I'm going to try to get a this four, out. One, uh, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. A 4-1, 3-1-1 almost, right? And like you said, Clayton Taylor and Aquilina were filling those sort of half spaces. I mean, I mean, systems are fluid anyway, but yeah, yeah. It was... It, okay, let's just let's just like to keep it simple. It was more like a fluid 4-4-2 with, mm. with Pisikipo sort of tailing centrally in behind um, Stamatolopoulos. And, and, you know, there's promising signs... With playing that, I think that, um, however, it left him a little bit exposed. I, I don't think you can leave Mark Natter and Philip Kanker at this point in their careers and how they're 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 going in the A leagues that exposed as centre backs. I know Brandon O'Neill was doing a lot of work sitting in between the two guys and covering a lot of ground and and making a lot of good tackles. And I think that still he's the most consistent performer in this Jets squad and deserves a lot of credit. Um, for the work he does do, even in good games, bad games for the team, he often shows up. Um, I think that they, the Stanton understood that he might have to play this sort of tactically though, because he wasn't going to be able to be a bit like reactive, like he was able to do against the Wellington Phoenix mm-hmm. and, and, and some of the stronger teams that they've had decent enough performances against, you know, you, you talked about that uh, Western Sydney Wanderers match. Um, where they almost threw it all away in, you know, the early stage of the second half. It, it is an issue. And, you know, Stanton will be looking at that to see how he can better negate that first 15, 20 minutes of a second half because that's where it seemingly falls of, falls away. Yeah. It's that first 15, 20. It's almost like um, I think especially um, on the edges that, um, like, they don't sort of switch on for and this is like the first 15 20 minutes this ties in you you wrote a piece about this recently about that they're kind of inexperience and yeah yeah it it is an it is an experience thing and the center backs look i can forgive for for some errors i mean you know they're they're two young center backs they're two you know really ball playing center backs they're still Mm. trying to figure out you know how to utilize their their tech techniques as center backs and also be defensively sound i think they're still trying to work them out as individuals um what i'm sort of a little bit more less optimistic about more less optimistic um (laughs) is is sort of the edge play um in that first 15 20 i feel like in that first 15 20 the the edges aren't as strong daningham and lucas moragas often you're talking about the the fullbacks yep yep. yeah the fullbacks get sort of lost and get beaten is that like rugby talk the edges like what what is that i I, i'm i don't know the edges like the the, it's a square it's a rectangular field man like you know filling the gaps i don't know did you go to kindergarten (laughs) me 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 tactical brain wide spaces (laughs) jack edges edges okay well semantics again (laughs) <laughs> front page semantics anyway keep, keep um, talking. I, I think that in that first 15 20 minutes that they give too much room on those wide areas in defense mm-hmm. i think that they need to play a little less i feel like they almost overcorrect in playing a little bit more narrow as soon as they get a goal ahead they get some you know a, a, a bit of a foothold in the game they almost go all right let's keep it narrow and let's try and trap them on the wide like the wide areas but they're not they're not trapping them. They're just giving them the wide areas and giving them that space. Yeah, they can hold the ball. Yeah. They're not closing down quick enough on the, the sidelines and then they're getting exposed centrally because of it. It's like they're, they're 
trying to congest the central area and yes. play compact, but they're kind of forgetting that, okay, when the ball goes into wide areas, you still have to shift across and you still have to apply pressure in those areas. Yeah. They're, they're trying to play too flat and they're not, they're not moving as a team to, to, to close down. I mean, you can which, which you hope would come with time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is a, a time thing. There's enough there attacking wise that you can sort of go, you know, Robert Stanton has a has an idea. He has an idea. He's trying to get across. He's got a few things he's trying to work out, and he and he's and he's experimenting. You know, I feel like I haven't seen, especially since Piscopo's come back into the fold, a a Jets performance that has been a hundred percent what it was the previous week tactically. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he's still experimenting, especially with playing Aquileo in a higher area, almost as a, as a winger or an attacking interesting. midfielder. It is interesting. It is, yeah. is interesting to see that. Um, so uh, just to, to sum up, tactically, they were different. They weren't necessarily more clinical, though, and I think that's still a concern. Stamatolopoulos, obviously, you know, is scoring a lot of goals, and that's fantastic for him. But, you know, Clayton Taylor, for all his brilliance and the, and the amount of credit we do give him, is still largely inconsistent, which, again, experience mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It will come with time. I think that um, Jets lack other goal scorers other than Stamatolopoulos, and I think mm-hmm. that's sort of a, a, a abundantly clear when you're playing a traditional fullback, you know, has played fullback for most of his career on the wings. Yeah, and um, I guess we saw that inconsistently with Clayton Taylor with that second goal, how he just gave the ball away inexplicably to... Uh, inexplicably to uh to Stefan Kolakowski. Um Perth just quickly. Like you it's interesting uh, as you were talking about um the the Chanchar Nata partnership for Newcastle and how it's young, it's an experience, give it time. Yet I still think that partnership performs better on a week to week basis than Daryl Latran and Mark Beavers. Like I mean for two foreigners, like it's just so meh. Like you know what I mean? Like it, they're just very Maybe it's just because they're also playing in a negative system, so you don't see. But even in possession, they're just very average. They don't offer a lot when Perth are kind of on the ball. And yeah, just poor decisions um, it defensively as well. Um, you know, whether it's kind of, you know, judgments that they're making in split seconds and, and things like that. So that's been really disappointing. I think those two centrally for I, Perth. I, I just want to yeah. interesting you talk on touch on that. Like we were talking about the centre back partnerships. Mm. I think, think if you pair a Daryl Latchman with a Kane Carr and a Mark Natter with the Beavers or vice versa, like that's a like honestly that's a pretty good centre back partnership. It's better, best yeah. Of, best of both worlds. It's almost yeah. It's like, almost like Latchman and Beavers are too much like of the same similar. player. They're, yeah. they're too similar. They're too no nonsense. You know, hard men defenders that really can you know, you can tackle hard and then mm-hmm. clear the ball sort of thing. And, and they're, they're just business, you know, they just mean business and they got not, not a lot of flair. Well, at, the mo- at the moment, they're not doing their business great. I, I just wish Daryl Lackman would go to scoring, you know, fulfill, you know, how he just like makes a weird run from, from box to box. And That's what I mean though. But like he's, <laughs> I feel like he's better on the ball than what he shows as well a little bit. Um, whereas Beavers yeah. is kind of like, okay, you know, old English and a half, you know, you kind of know what you're getting a little bit um, with that and whatever. But yeah, that's just something I noticed in this game where it's just like, ugh, you know, okay, these guys again um, a little bit. But, um, and then for Perth as well. So Oli Bazanic came off in this game with what looked like some shoulder issue. Uh, I'm not sure if there's been an update on that yet. 
And Mustafa Amini, though, looked really good again when he came on, um, as he did as he did last week against Melbourne City. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens when a fully fit Amini is starting maybe alongside a Bazanic. Um, because Bazanic's really been playing this kind of quarterback role for Perth quite a bit. And you saw it in this game where he's just dropping deeper and just spraying what, diagonals. What what is with us in American sports tonight? What's going on? Bro, I'm 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 going there shortly. So the A League A League wrap up presented by, you know, CBS. <laughs> um yeah, so no, nah, but you get what I mean anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm just intrigued to see like those two fit again. Like, how's that going to kind of work as a duo? Because I think when we spoke about Jordano Colley kind of maybe not being necessarily ready to maybe start in and pivot like that. So yeah, the one thing for Perth though, which has been great, is Adam Taggart. Um, and I know weirdly when Jack mentioned Adam Taggart, like in the Socceroos fold last week when we were talking about strikers, and I was like, oh. You know, I'd be shocked. And I'd still be shocked, by the way, if, if of course, he was in the Socceroos squad. He still hasn't done enough. But, man, he, he I just keep saying it. Like, he looks great. Like, he looks, like, in great shape. He looks like he could score 15 goals this year. And Perth need to make sure that they can continue supplying service and that they're not leaking stupid goals. Because if they can just find a way to supply someone that they've actually got as a goal scorer, which not many teams in this league have, an actual reliable goal scorer then far out. Like, you know, you could definitely be be knocking on the six. It's not that difficult sometimes. It's not as bad as you think, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know with them. They're just they're just a very strange, frustrating team for me at the moment, I'm gonna be honest. Um, all right, what's uh Cody, we haven't really gone to you on this game. What what did you say? Um basically what I thought I was gonna see from Perth this season and that was a whole lot of nothing. Um yeah, I know yeah. I know <laughs> I know they went ahead, and you even said it yourself, even when they were ahead, it didn't feel like that they were overly great still. And even looking at their side going into this season, it wasn't a strong side on paper that I thought was going to really show up the league and cause all these ma- major surprises, like maybe some quarters of fans thought they were going to. I don't see an overly large amount of quality in this side, and even when you're talking about some of the players that you hope can can kind of come in when they're fully fit and make an impact... I just don't think that they're at the level that's. Oh, I'm that not saying. I'm not, an- yeah, I'm just saying that could improve maybe the way they play. Like, my frustration with Perth is at the end of the day, you got a, a good manager, CV White. Like, you got a guy who we know what he can do. We we've seen it before in this league too. You know, we saw it briefly with the Mariners. With, so, with, with, so one with, sec, one sec, one sec, just quickly, because I've just got a point here. Okay. Is I look at like Wellington, who we're going to talk about at the end, and the way that they're playing, we look at MacArthur, uh, which we spoke about last week, and their transition style. Like, why can't Perth play like that? Like, why... That's more of a stagic way of playing. Why is he not being able to cultivate a team that can be more dangerous in transition, that can be actually solid defensively? Because that's the main thing. When, when you think of, like, an Alex Allen Stadich team, you think, okay, yeah, pretty solid defensively. You think of his Philippines team, Cody, you know this. You know, they were... Pretty pretty solid defensively as well. We saw that at the World Cup um, for, for for when they beat New Zealand, for example. Um, but for whatever reason, at the moment, I'm just not really seeing any of kind of his previous work embodied in this team. I think there's probably an aspect to this where 
if I look at Perth side, they probably are three or four players off having a really competitive team. I'm not talking about players that you can look at their side and let them come in. I'm talking they're probably going to need a dip in the transfer market and actually look to bring in some new guys. Center back, 100%, someone that can probably, I don't know, command a little bit better back there. I don't think Beavers and Latchman. Latchman, I really like when he first came to the A-League. I don't know if he's at that standard anymore. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about trying to bring players in, then you've got to look at the ownership situation and yeah. how much pull power do they actually have to build a side that will allow Sajic to play the game that he wants to and allow him to play at his best. So there's aspects like that that are going to obviously hold this Perth side back. And even when you look at his Mariners career, he's, his first season of the Mariners, they finished last. He doesn't necessarily come into a side and transform it straight away from the get-go. There's always sure. going to be those teething issues. Even with his Philippine side, they, they weren't exactly... Mm. Great from the off. The first time they played against Australia, they got smacked 4-0. Mm. Now, obviously, compared to where Australia and the Philippines are, that's probably an expected result. But anyway, the reality is I'd never saw this Perth side doing overly great this season. I still think there's a long way to go with Stajic before they are going to be a competitive side. So on a day like Saturday, I'm honestly not surprised. It just feels like a bit yeah. of a run-of-the-mill result by their standards. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to watch. I that's, I think, I, I just last point on this. I go back to something Antonio said a few weeks ago. Where he was talking about how he worries about teams who don't know who they are in this league and their identity. And right now, either Perth are trying to be something and they're not there yet, or they don't know who they are. And if it's the second one, I'd be worried. And it might be a long season ahead because they're not looking great at the moment. Um, Jack, last thing on this. Do we call this the receivership derby? I mean, we've got like 15 other fucking doubles. Sorry, I had that joke like cooking for five minutes anyway. Oh, well, I mean, the crickets are coming out for you this week, I guess. Like, <laughs> Mate, the crickets come out for you every week, all right? Yeah, well, I toned it down for, for you know. Yeah, you've been good today. Well the, done. The, good, the good enjoyment on you. of our listeners. We've still got three games to get through, Christian. Don't be careful. Please be yeah, careful. Yeah, I know. I know. And the longer we get into it, the more the chaos starts to starts to reign. Um, the receivership derby, I mean... You can call it the quarter meant quarter meant the derby. derby as well. Get him to sponsor it. I mean, you know, like they, they certainly need some funding at both clubs. You might as well, you know, just slap their logo on the back of the shirt. Yeah, let's sponsor you when we're trying to also sell you. That, well, I might might boost boost the amount of money they get in there. Who knows? Who knows? Who, hey, knows? who knows? Great I, I'm, idea. I'm not a businessman, but you know. <laughs> yeah. The quarter menta derby, the receivership derby. You know what? You know what? Let's do this. If there's any Newcastle or Perth fans listening, comment below what should what should we call the Newcastle Jets v Perth Glory fixtures now, based on the very similar ownership situations. Uh, right now we have receivership derby and quarter derby, so open to any other uh, any other names. Um, yeah, bit of banter, bit of banter. Why not? All right, let's. Uh, on that note, um, I think I think we need a break. Uh, so let's take one. And on the on the flip side, we got the big blue. Uh, City Mariners and MacArthur Wellington. Okay, so moving on to the fourth game uh, from round eight, the big blue uh, between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. So uh, again, which I'm probably going to do for most of these games, just start off from a team selection point of view because I think it's always interesting to just look at um, any talking points from from that uh, point of view. Obviously, another opportunity for, for Adam Pavlicic in this game, of course, with, with Red, Red Man's suspension. Uh, we saw Nathan Amanitidis uh, make the bench for the first time and come on um, for Sydney FC as well, which is good. 
Um, Jack Rodwell came back in, um, but interestingly, it meant Jake Girdwood-Reich went back into midfield, uh, which I was not sure about at all myself. Um, and Anthony Caceres came back in as well. Um, and more the point with Girdwood-Reich was really strange because, like, I just think he's better as a centre-back. Um, and maybe if you feel he's not good enough to start, then don't shoehorn him into a role which, yeah, he can play. But, I mean, he was overrun. Luke Pratton was overrun. Anthony Caceres was overrun. City's midfield got destroyed in this game. Um, and, yeah, obviously a disastrous mistake by uh, by Godwood Reich for the third goal, uh, giving the ball away um, and then eventually leading to Bruno Fornaroli's, uh goal in this game. Yeah, interesting selection, that one, for me, from, from Ufuk Tale. Um, from a victory standpoint, um, just absolutely cooking from an attacking standpoint in the first half. Like, holy crap. Um Pretty sure that there probably hasn't been. Well, no, that's. I mean, Adelaide had the six 0 I guess, against Melbourne City, but that that was one of the better kind of offensive halves I've seen probably by by any team this season. They were fantastic in that first half, um, and I think uh, Ben Falami came in for Nishan play in terms of their kind of team selection as well. Um, and the Bruno Zinedine Mashash partnership is becoming like unplayable. At the moment, it's just been fantastic to watch those two link up. Paul Izzo was fantastic, I thought, in this game. Uh, good Jack Brimmer game as well. Um, and, yeah, I think for victory, just quickly on them, you know, ahead of this game, they had this game, the Big Blue. They got the Melbourne Derby uh, coming up, and then they've got another original rivalry against Adelaide. So, huge three fixtures, and they've absolutely passed the first one with flying colours. So, a couple of now games coming up against the Melbourne City team we'll talk about in a moment who are in an interesting position uh, and an Adelaide team who are going through a tough period. I mean, if you can get nine from nine over those fixtures, it's 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 pretty huge for Melbourne victory, uh, for sure. Um, and on a Sydney standpoint, like I mentioned, killed in transition in the first half of this game. Uh, midfield completely overrun. And just also, like Sydney just a complete inability to be clinical anymore. And, you know, they could have, they could have got something from this game. Like as, as weird as that sounds to say, cause they lost three nil. Like when the game was at two nil, they could have easily buried one of those chances two one games back on. We've seen victory against the Wanderers, even in the previous week, almost give way a, an unassailable lead. You know, they are capable. They're not, they're not, you know, invincible or anything like that. And Sydney have the quality on paper, I guess, but, and maybe Cody or Jack, you can delve into the reasons maybe why Sydney just seem to have these similar problems. Cause at the moment I see a team who's can play decent football. And that's regardless of Steve Corrigan, Ulfuk Tale, whoever's the coach, but fundamentally when it matters, they can't take chances. Um, and that's a far cry from championship winning Sydney FC teams that we saw in the past. Um, and more strange because you've got Robert Mack, you've got Joe Lolly, you've got a striking Fabio Gomez who seems like a decent finisher if he gets the service. I don't know if, and I'm I'm open to any pushback on that. By the way, uh, I don't really, I'm not really sold either way, kind of on him at the moment. But yeah, very strange because um, it just seems to be a recurring theme with them. Um, and some interesting stats coming out of this one too. Sydney have now lost uh, four games in a row at Amy Park. Uh, and they've actually failed to score in the last three at the ground, which is interesting. Um, and 
Ufuk Tala has actually also lost his last four uh, league games against Melbourne Victory, uh, going across stints, uh, of course, with the Phoenix and Sydney FC. So whatever reason, he seems to have some sort of hoodoo, uh, I guess, against uh, this Melbourne Victory team. So, yeah, what uh, what did you make of it, uh, Cody? Um, well, you mentioned Fabio Gomez there. I feel like you've more done it out of... I guess necessity because he is a part of the side, but I don't know if you really believe that he's this dominant striking force that should be leading Sydney FC to. No, 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 not not that. But I go back to your point last week, and we're going to talk about Angel Torres in a moment, where you say that if you bring in a foreigner, you expect him to be delivering. And... Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, what you yeah. do expect him to be delivering, and what is Fabio Gomez not doing right now? He's not delivering. So exactly, so, I know, but and that is my... an issue, and that that's is what probably I mean. But my the central point issue. Is, so have they got? that signing wrong or is he actually yes. a decent player and for whatever reason he's just not performing in this system because this Sydney's, is, it's just this something, is something broken that about I, don't... I wanted to say I'm pretty sure I wanted to say this last week I don't know if I got the chance to do it if I'm doubling up on things that I've said because Christian you've Fuck, you said so better. much last week are you sure you didn't get the chance to I hope I did I hope I didn't because I'm going to say it now <laughs> if you brought in Fabio Gomez maybe five years ago he'd probably be close to the top goal scorer in the league uh-huh. because he's got this power and pace has got all the physical attributes that traditionally you need to be successful in the A-League. But in that time, the league has evolved where I think the technical level of the game has actually risen to, I won't say a great standard, but an acceptable standard where you can't just rely on pure pace and power. We've seen it with players like Trent Bahaja slowly slipping down the ranks of clubs, not that he was ever this overly great um, A-League player. I know he did score on the weekend, but let's be no, real. No, leave, leave Trent alone, man. He's called the equalizer <laughs> this week. What yeah, he, would, he probably would have done better to miss it. Put it that way. Oh, the man. point is, the point that I'm trying to make with Fabio Gomez is you don't, you can't just be this really, really physical presence to be a half-decent striker in the league anymore. You do need some form of technical yeah, no, I agree quality. I agree and I think he's got the touch of a baby elephant. Okay. Whatever. My point is, it seems like with Sydney at the moment, no, no matter who you put as the nine, no matter who you put in these attacking areas, they seem to not be able to take chances when it matters. And I'm interested to know why. Well, look, I don't know the psychological ins and outs of Sydney FC. I'm, I'll yeah. be real with you on that part. But if you're talking about a system thing, you've got a coach that's come in with someone else's squad. And I guess it's teething issues in a sense. I know they had that 5-1 win when he first came in. Let's be real. That was just a day where everything kind of seemed to go right. Clearly, for a bit of a new manager bounce. Yeah, new ma- Yeah, it's. I think um, Joe K. Shout out Joe K. On Twitter, I'm pretty sure he said it himself. It's a sign. It's something that's really got to be adopted into scientifically because it is kind of nuts how consistent that new manager bounce is. But there was. It wasn't always going to be a standard that was going to be able to continue. On players are going to have off days. They're going to have periods where they're down. This is Sydney FC side that has been low on confidence ever since the Australia Cup final, really. They had a really good run in that period. They've come into the league. Things haven't been able to click. They've had a coach be sacked. Of course, things aren't going to go right, I guess, from I guess a psychological point of view as well. You can't, besides Fabio Gomez, you can't really argue the quality isn't there. You've got Robbie Mack who... I know. So why are we not seeing Robert Mack and Joe Lolly delivering? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's... A, no, no, I'm not... I, no, no, I'm not... Sorry. I'm not necessarily asking you directly. I'm just saying, like, Cody, I'm just saying. Do I look like a Fuktale? No. <laughs> Cody, just, you're a deserver. Get out there and fix it, all right? No, no, no. no. I'm just putting the question out there because, like... Man, look, I'll tell you what, it's a great question because yeah. it's a question that I don't know the answer to either. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's great. I've actually I'm, found I'm, a way to to say something with you not giving giving a reply. It's fantastic. No, but that's the thing. Like, well, you've got it's. I think you've got to put it down to teething issues, really. You've got a side there but where in the, the first club... game, Joe Lilly comes. I know what you said about new manager bounce, but new manager bounce. You're talking about players that are playing for. Oh shit! Like if this guy doesn't hang on, like, hang on, but then well, okay, but against Perth, Joe Lolly and Robert Mack stepped up, and they and they and they got. Okay, there's, it, there's a part that you've got to take into consideration there too, Christian. What? It's Perth. This is Robert Mack and Joe Lolly. <laughs> hang on, no, no, hang on, no, no, no. I'm not gonna, no, no, no. I'm not gonna accept that because we're talking about two players. I'm just, I'm just using them as examples who are really good foreign players. We've seen this last year and they delivered when it mattered last year. So why are they up and down at the moment when they've got a new manager as well? Who should they be playing for? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like what I'm trying to get at here is when Newcastle are erratic, when Adelaide are erratic, when et cetera, et cetera, I understand it because they've got young players and their senior players in some, in some of those senior players are just not good enough to consistently perform at this level. But I look at some of Sydney's senior players and I think like, what are you doing? Like you should be consistently providing output week in, week out. Yeah, like, we couldn't okay, be have a coach you're behind that. You're going to have your odd off game. Yeah, of course. But this game here, Melbourne victory away is exactly the type of game where I need Robert Mack and Joe Lolly performing. This is exactly it. And they were not just the only two, but this NFT team in general are just not forming when it matters and I think that's irrespective of the coach that's there from 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 what I'm seeing anyway. I don't know. Look, I think it's a thing of you've got players that look, maybe they've been given different instructions, maybe they're trying to play a different style even just from an individual point of view and things aren't clicking. They're going to click in certain games, but that could also come down to simply the quality of the opposition. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Look, you look at probably the two biggest I won't say letdowns, but two results that probably stand out the most from Talley's tenure so far, a very short tenure. The Wanderers game where they were nullified with basically everything they do. They were able to get forward. They were able to create half chances. I won't that's say what anything. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's a bit different. But yeah. you're also talking about a side there that is very defensively solid. You're going mm-hmm. up against the Melbourne victory side, another side that's very defensively solid, and you're struggling to find a way to really go through and find a way to break that down and be clinical in those sorts of games. But my point is your Sydney FC. I guess is what and I'm you trying be. to 100, say. 100% yeah. you should yeah. be. You're, you're definitely correct in saying that. There's yeah. a standard at Sydney FC that's been set by a very, very rich history, albeit a short history. But this is a club that demands success and anything mm-hmm. below first is unacceptable and for good reason too. You're talking about a big club there. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say that, oh yeah, it's justified that they're not playing at that level. I'm saying mm-hmm. that to a certain extent, I understand it. If mm-hmm. they keep it going for more than a few rounds, I wouldn't be saying it's crisis mode at the end of the season. They need an overhaul. I'd almost be saying they need an overhaul in January. At least one or two players coming in. I'd almost be looking to get rid of Fabio Gomez in January and bringing in another striker. They, someone they are, that's, yeah, I don't someone know. that's more suited to Talley style. Someone like an Oscar Zawada where you can they have that physical presence, but they also have the technical ability to get the ball controller and fashion out a chance for themselves rather than either getting mm-hmm. the ball their feet and creating for someone else or getting the ball in, in a, in a, in a position where they're coming down the box and able to score from six outs out. How we did it in the um, Australia cup final. I'm, I'm not being very technical here in how I'm describing it, but I'm sure you know what I mean. No, I someone, get what you mean. Like you someone, get someone like Zawadi yeah. in where if he's receiving the ball with his back to goal, 
someone like a, even with, even like and I'd I'd put this guy in the conversation based on what I've seen from him at times this season. Tom Waddingham, like you know, someone yeah, one hundred percent, yeah, yeah, someone who even if they're receiving the ball with the back with their back to goal, it's not okay. This is the position that him. I've got to go and find someone else to give it to that they have the technical qualities to go. I've got the ball with back to goal, but I've got the physical and technical quality to fashion a chance out still for myself. That's mm. the sort of strike that Sydney FC need. You need a striker that's going to almost score you at least a goal every two games or two goals. I think they need games. it for this team because this team is broken a little bit. It's, um, I don't think it's broken. Like, I think it's just it's there's it's mediocre. Like you know, mediocre is a better word. Yeah, like yeah, okay, maybe not broken, but I mean, Jack, because I'll get your thoughts now as well. Like you look at some of the issues yeah. that they have as well at the back. Rodwell and Lacerda, maybe Lacerda is a bit iffy about if he's the quality you know, that Lacerda, Sydney FC like, needs. okay. I don't mind him. He seems you all could right. probably, For a side like Sydney FC, they probably could do with a better visa signing. But someone mm. like Jack Rodwell, when he's fully fit, is mm. probably the best centre-back in the league. Unfortunately, you've got the best centre-back in the league for 10 rounds out of 26 sometimes. Well, yeah. That's probably not a standard that Sydney FC won either. But that's a risk you take when you bring in a player of that quality sometimes. But you look at someone like Ryan Grant, that... And it could have easily been fixed with Kelly Adamson. But now you've got someone like uh, Zach De Jesus who could come in and kind of take that role. And even if they need a short-term option, I'm sure there's a Aussie right back out there somewhere that they could bring in on loan. Yeah, Frank Karicic isn't doing anything. I know he's turned down offers from the yeah. A-League, but I'm sure if you put a good enough offer to him, yeah. he could come in and have a big but impact on the But this is the, the thing side. as well. Is- and actually add to yeah. a style that Sydney FC want to implement. This is what's going to be interesting in January because like... We know it's hard to talk about this with other clubs because the salary cap league and stuff. We have to see kind of maybe if they offload first to, to see if they then reload, I guess. But Sydney FC, we, you know, there's been, there's been, um, you know, like reports out there that, you know, did they have their football budget, for example, this year and things like that. So do they have the ability even to fix what seems to be a bit of a mediocre squad? And more to the point, for me, I'm just looking at them and going like, if you think, like, Ulfuk Talley is a decent coach, yeah, whatever. But if you think, like, his coaching and a different voice alone is going to get you to where you want to be, like, it, it ain't happening based on what I'm seeing is, is kind of what I'm getting You need at. to give him a squad that works for him as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, But I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if they're, this is Sydney FC, like, you know, of uh, three, four years ago. Um, And we're kind of seeing that a little bit in them, um, you know, playing young players a bit more. Um, and going down that route. But I don't know. Someone somewhere needs to be patient, I, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. But fundamentally, if you don't, if you're Sydney FC and you hold yourself that standard and your foreigners aren't going to perform when it matters, then you have to look, you have to look at that. Let's, let's put it that way. But Jack, what are you, what are you seeing with Sydney? But then also, I mean, Victor, we haven't, I mean, Victor won this game 3 0 and they were excellent in this game. Uh, so, so what'd you see from them too? Um, I'll start with Sydney. You guys, you know, really covered a lot of the basis and I'm going to come back to this because I feel like I am. And I think I've held off of commenting much about Sydney FC since Vitale has uh, joined the club. I think that uh, in some teams, and we discussed it tonight and we discussed it at length last week with Western United, they have a very, a, a big hesitancy of, of, I'm not going to say replacing players, but rotating players and trying to find solutions because I don't know if it's the salary cap coming into it because, you know, you, you play certain players a fair amount of your cap. And if you don't utilize that part of the cap, maybe that part of the cap gets removed the next year. Like, I don't know how 
A-League finances work. But um, I think that Ryan Grant at this point, you know, not that, you know, uh, Dave's just came off and played, came on and played, you know, extremely well. I think that Ryan Grant needs a spell on the bench. Well, I, I just think that, you know, I, I, think I agree. He played, yeah. uh, I mean, he played, I think, you know, against Melbourne victory was, you know, in terms of recent weeks was, it was better, but not remarkably better. I, I think, but then I think that's interesting because it's like, should have Fatale just, you know, like, should Luke Bratton get dropped for a week? And like you just yeah, kind of sending out sending out messages because that's what, that's what that I mean, might because... be one way to kind of try and salvage just a little bit. Because Western United have to use the soft touch. Like, you know, because I'll bring it back to them because it's a similar situation. Western United have to use the soft touch because they don't have as much in depth, right? Yeah. And they also don't can't really afford as a club, you know, with the crowds that they're getting, not to play players like Lockie Wales and not to play players like you know, Leo Lacroix. Yeah, they can't really afford to because they go, well, come check out these players that we've got. They're trying to attract people to a game. So, you know, maybe... Leo, Leo Lacroix, what? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, those those sort of those sort of players, right? You know, well, he's they, not there anymore, but yeah. Oh, is he not there? Shit. That's my bad. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my life. Oh, <laughs> man. You just completely forgot about that one. I have no, no, no. About that. no, 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 you just, you just had a little blunder. It's all right. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, no, the, anyway, as I was saying, yeah, um, yeah, but I get no, your point. Your point is basically like if you're Western United, for example, and you're in a similar predicament to Sydney FC on the table and results wise, yeah. you can't, if you're John Aloisi, maybe you can't make those same sort of statements as a Fortale because at the end of the day, you kind of want your, your visa signings playing because you, like you need, you need crowds, you need, you need or whatever. But there's some pressure there. Yeah, I think with Sydney FC, you, you might have a little bit more, I wouldn't use freedom as the correct term, but a little bit more leniency to that. You know, I think that also, like I said, with that Adelaide, dropping a player to the bench for a week, playing a similar system and trying to emphasize that, hey, there are players in this squad that can play that system. And you also have to be competitive within that squad to make sure that you hold down your spot mm-hmm. is very, very important. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd i also be interested in, uh, last point on this is, like you talk about leniency from a Sydney perspective, but like maybe Sydney fans as well are kind of getting to the stage where it's like, you know, just we want to see something different. So maybe if like next week, Ryan Grant and Luke Bratton are dropped and it's like, whoa, okay, like, Uffy's making some big statements. Like as a Sydney fan, I'd be going, "Wow, okay, this is interesting. I want to see how this plays out." At the moment, I just see like, "Okay, we'll roll out a similar team for what we got week in week out, uh, and hope that our more experienced guys can kind of carry us in certain games whilst we wait for these younger guys to develop." Um, and at the end of the day, all it kind of just results in is is mediocrity. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't really know. If there's, I, I know we say don't, it's only eight rounds, like don't overreact yet. I'm the one who says that more out of anyone, but it just, I don't know, man, with the, with this Sydney team, I, I just don't really see a team that's, that's going to be, yeah, like competing when it, when it really matters. Um, but I could be wrong. And as Cody said, who knows, maybe they go in January and say, Fabio Gomez, get lost and we'll replace you with someone else that we can find some other possible gem maybe in the transfer market who knows um but 
Yeah. Cody, anything just real quickly on victory because we haven't really spoken about them. We've, we've kind of just, just done the, done the, the, done the Sydney ranting uh, for, for, for 15 minutes. Um, they're really, really good. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, honestly, we talk, um, it was interesting. Bruno Fonaroli mentioned on the Football Friends podcast. Sorry, Christian, I am mentioning another. Hey, um, Football Friends podcast rather... curse got lifted this week. Get in there, Bengarucho. Well done. Good stuff. <laughs> that is true. Actually, that is true. But um, Fonaroli actually mentioned that in the time he's been in the A-League, he hasn't won mm. a league title. I hadn't actually put two and two together. I about know, that. same. I, I remember it's, seeing and that. And it's like, to think about because you're talking about one of the best strikers this league has ever seen. Maybe not mm. the best, but one of the best mm. by very, very easily. So, you know what? Maybe he's on some smoke saying, I need to rectify this. I'm doing what I can to make sure that I get this elusive title. Maybe he's looking at, the, at that, looking at it that way because he thinks his career is going to wind up soon. And as good as he's doing now, he probably doesn't have many years left in him. Let's be real. But just overall, I think a lot of people were worried about Victor and how they were going to bounce back from what was a very, very poor season last year. They didn't bring in maybe on paper the most exciting players, but Zinedine Mashash has been absolutely brilliant. He's, For, he's great. Yeah. Uh, Fornaroli, they've stuck with him. He's done brilliantly. Arzani is building week by week. Got a goal. Great, great Arzani well. game. Fantastic. I, I just want to comment. You, you mentioned Arzani. I think that... If someone told me uh, in the off, like uh, after his spell at MacArthur, that um, Tony Popovich of all people would be the person to give his career a look, you know, I I have to like, and and it's still going to play out because me and Cody, I remember having a disagreement about this, like after round one, and and that's he's remembering this, that's why he's smiling, is and I was like, I'm not sure, uh, you know, if if a Popovich character is kind of what Azani needs, but. Mate, uh, fucking uh, clearly. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, like, the spell at MacArthur, I think that he was doing well under Dwight York, and then obviously Stajowski come in, and, and that's when it sort of didn't, not really fall, fell apart, but he certainly wasn't as exciting and as expressive on the pitch. He was and also injured for a fair bit of that time too. He was also injured, yes. Um, and But they, then he's moved to victory, and, and if you, yeah, if you ask me if uh, Popovich could, could be the manager that would that would bring him back to you know a talking a genuine talking point in mm. Australian football. I would have been extremely surprised because um you know without knowing anything knowing personally you know Arzani I've never spoken to him at all, but he he just didn't seem like the the character that would get along with this sort of hard hard man sort of personality yep. yeah disciplinary manager. But I, I suppose that. If you see how Nisha and Blue play, obviously he didn't play in this match, but how he's playing as well. Mm. It's almost like Popovich is is going out there and telling these guys on the wings to be ex- as expressive as possible with the, the space they're afforded. Mm-hmm. And he's almost sort of, you know, playing, you know, your Economides or Ben Falami to go, okay, so I'm going to have one wing that's going to be sort of a live wire and it's going to, you know, maybe bring some excitement in there. And the other wing is going to be sort of my more systemic systemic winger i know that the uh, like azani sort of started alongside Valupale as well in certain yeah it's mainly, it's mainly obviously been azani and Valupale on either side yeah 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 but um like uh, in certain points like uh, in certain games you know your economy is you're probably saying that um, like uh, azani's like probably Falami got army have come in yeah 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 like azani's probably got more freedom to express himself because like yeah that's the type of player he needs to be to have impact i think as well so i, th- I th- yeah. I don't people kept saying that you know you don't judge a 
you know, don't judge a fish and how it climbs a tree. You know, what on earth is that saying? It's just like, you know, have you, you not know, heard that saying before? I have not heard that saying before. Oh my well, God, you uncultured swine. Well, I didn't know Leah Lacroix was a player. I beg your pardon. Five minutes ago. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you so, uncultured swine. Man, are we going to have a talk after this? Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, I feel like that all the criticisms that Azani got were just like irrelevant. And I think that uh, Popovich and the way he's playing him is showing how irrelevant those criticisms were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you blast his work rate all you want, say that he doesn't track back enough, say that he doesn't take care of his man, you know, whatever, say that he holds the ball for too long. But this is the thing, maybe he didn't play under a manager who prioritized those things enough. You know, there's that too. So, I don't know. It, there's, it's a lot of different variables. Um, last question, uh, and answer this in one word, both of you, uh, before we move on to the next game. Um, Bruno Fornaroli uh, on the plane to Qatar, is he sitting in a aisle seat, a middle seat, or a window seat, just out of interest? I'd probably, I reckon he'd be the type that wants a window seat. I yeah. reckon he'd like to do. Yeah. Actually, no, I reckon he's mature enough to sacrifice himself in the middle seat. In the middle, yeah. To let some of the youngins take the take the better seats. Yeah. Jack, what uh, are you? Yeah, I think, I think a middle seat. I think, you know, he wants to embrace the conversation, you know, get a lively debate started in the middle of a plane, you know, maybe sing a few traveling songs with the lads. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think that, you know, the more people around him, the better he'll do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, let's move on. Um, second to last game of the round, Melbourne City and Central Coast Mariners. Um, uh, four words um, for this. Uh, what a fucking game. There you go. Um, because that was so good to watch. Um, this game was absolutely fantastic. And more because the second half, it was so good to watch the Mariners actually for like a good pretty much the whole half have their kind of Mariners swagger back a little bit. Um, like you could really feel it. And they were just excellent in the second half, not so much in the first half. Um, and yeah, so much to talk about from this game. Um, City were, you know, meh because they've, it's kind of what they've been uh, this season to put it bluntly. Jane McLaren came, came back in obviously uh, from, from the Asian champions league game. Um, uh, Matthew Leckie, of course, um, with that with that hamstring injury that he's picked up now. Um, and interestingly, only two of the players in that starting eleven, uh, for City played in the grand final, um, against the Mariners, which kind of yeah speaks to the different period that they're going through at the moment. And for the Mariners, uh, they actually li- lined uh lined up unchanged from their win over Western. Fair enough. And Jing Reese kept his spot over Ali Kual, which was an interesting one to to kind of notice. From from this too, but that that's from the West United win. Obviously, they had some rotation um, in in midweek with the AFC Cup. Uh, another start for Miguel De Pizio in this game it was good to see. Uh, although he did come off at half time for Harry Steele, which enabled Josh Misbet to be pushed further forward to a number ten. And holy shit, Josh Nisbet might be even better as a number ten. Uh, I don't know um, because he was unbelievable in that second half absolutely incredible um just finding spaces linking up with torres it was just so good and yeah um the mariners as well um something that they've and and it was i think jake mentioned this uh last week when we're talking about their win over western how they've kind of shifted a little bit to play this more 3-4-3 system in possession and we saw that again here 
Um, and I think it's a great system for them. I think it suits them really well. We spoke about how Farrell can play as a left side center back, but more so, you can get those tens um, like Nisbet in the second half playing um, in the half spaces and doing what they want there. But Tulio as well as a 10 in the half space works. But Angel Torres, it's can really unleash him as we saw in this game because he's kind of almost like an attacking wing back in possession and you can just get the ball out to him in 1v1s and just let him basically cook. Um, and I never sold my Angel, Angel Torres stock. I actually just brought more yesterday. Um, and I'll probably buy more next week after he has another great game because I fucking love that guy. Uh, he is he's frustrating. I get it, but he's just exciting to watch. I'm sorry, like I, I want players like that in our league, right? Who are that they, they they show no fear. They're gonna take the game on at every opportunity. Yeah, they're gonna annoy you sometimes. I get it, but like I said, I think I tweeted about this. The upside is that what he just produced against Melbourne City. That's the upside. Um, and he was absolutely incredible in that second half. Fantastic to watch. Um, and yeah, also actually just on the Mariners, Harry Steele had a really good impact uh, in the second half coming off the bench. Um, and the Mariners started to win the ball higher and it started to work for them a bit. And on the other flip side, from a Melbourne City point of view, um, it was good for them to see Marin Yakalis score his first league goal um, and kind of get off the mark there. But really... Like, for me, when I'm watching them, I just feel like they're just relying on individualism, you know? Like, they're just kind of almost... They're, 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 it's like they're participating in these games too much, you know? And and even... We, we, don't, we didn't talk about it, obviously, because because this is an A-League podcast, but the, the Asian Champions League performance, too, is just so, like, laborious. It's so... Like, guys, uh, you know, you're Melbourne City. Like, can you kind of show up with a bit of a urgency about your game. Um, and I did not see that really at all in this game from them. Even in the first half, they had the lead, yes, but I don't think they really showed um, anything near what they are capable of. Um, and the interesting thing for, from this as well was we saw, we're seeing Mark Jackson, you know, change system, trying something different, you know, playing Nisbet as a 10, it works, being adventurous, on the flip side, we're seeing a really Ovidmar at the moment kind of just stick with the same system that Rado Vitisic had and kind of, you know, he, he made some slight adjustments. Hamzasaki's playing deeper as a six at the moment, but really, fundamentally, is not much has really changed from from these Rado kind of teams and the way they were set up. I think the team's just kind of had a little bit of a little bit of a change because it's, you know, uh, got to kick up the backside uh, from their coach being sacked, but I don't know, man. Um, you know, Leonatel uh, continues to really frustrate me. I know he got a nice assist in this game, but I don't understand the signing. Um, and yeah, we, we already criticized one Brazilian foreign signing. Uh, and there's a second one that we'll criticize in this podcast. So yeah, um, real, real questions for them. And um, yeah, uh, J- Jacob Farrell as well. We mentioned the left center back thing. Defensively in this game, he was unbelievable. Like that might be one of, he, we know he's a great defender but that might be one of the best defensive performances I've seen from him. I know they conceded three goals, but him individually was great. And man, if he can, like we talk about Jordan Boss and stuff, but if Jacob Farrell can get the offensive side of his game going a bit, far out, man. He can be a serious player. Uh, I really think he's fantastic. And um, for, for City though, um, uh, one positive was was Alessandro Lapane getting on the score sheet. Um, and uh, Mark Jackson will be annoyed that the Mariners kind of switched off at the end there. 
um yeah it's something that they'll have to uh that they'll have to um yeah tighten up in future weeks jack you are dying to give your thoughts on this game do you have as much angle torres stock as me i'm wondering um look i don't know if i bought more or less angle torres stock but i think i've sold a lot more of sockets twitter's stock uh i think i've i think I've, i think i've offloaded a bit of soccer twitter stock uh in the last you know, is that because of that of one weeks. tweet that said like Angel Torres is the worst foreigner to ever play in the league or something, and then he goes and scores a hat trick in the second half? <laughs> uh, I can't that is like the biggest L of all time. Said, well, fuck. <laughs> 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 like the self awareness, comedic timing, absolute gold. I'm, I'm gonna like. I know you said you're frustrated by Leonardo, and, and yes, it, it is frustrating. You know, to see that. But oh, don't defend him. What? No, no. no I'm just gonna say <laughs> this is the only thing I want to say about it. I, I love. The chaos of both Leo Natal having a decent game, getting a couple of assists. Yakulis, who was also heavily criticised earlier on, like when he started playing for Melbourne City in the league, getting his first league goal, and Anhel Torres scoring a hat trick. Like it's just like brings a lot of warmth to my heart that that all of the you know the boo boys and soccer Twitter kind of got shut up by like three. You know, it's a, it's a great really it's a great it. game. It's a it was a great day for much maligned foreign A League signings. It was it, it was. was a, it was a great day. It was that the, this was the funnest game in the, in the entire round for that. Fucking very awesome, reason. honestly. Was like, so I, was, I was, you know, like when you're watching a game sometimes, and like I'll be honest, you know, let, let's be honest. There are some early games where we're watching and it's just kind of like okay, got to kind of get through this a little bit. Whereas this game was like, not only do I not want this to end, but I'm really enjoying what's actually happening on the pitch. Like it's actually interesting. It's fascinating. Like holy shit, is Angel Torres going to score a fourth goal or? Holy shit, Josh Nisbet had two shots at the end. Is he going to like put one top bins and score a winner? Um, and like the Mariners are going to win 4 3 at Amy Putt. Like there's just there's so much happening. Um, and you just couldn't take your eyes off it. Fantastic stuff. I and, and going back to your um, Angel Torres stock, I think it's going to uh, pay a, a pretty fair dividend because I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it's by, so I can't, I can't say who, but someone who said, um, Angel Torres' hat trick rakes of a hat trick by a very average player, similar to Blake Power back in fifteen sixteen. <laughs> they were, they were good goals. They were good. They, goals. Were, they, were, they were great goals. But what yeah. I'm saying is that soccer Twitter has a, a, a few people on soccer Twitter again lambasted Angel Torres in the look. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I'm Angel Torres, um, I'm not going on Twitter. Um, and I'm just going to keep scoring goals now. Um, <laughs> and and and. Blocking out the haters, nothing I guess. less so, by, yeah. by a professional footballer, but um, you know, uh, back to if I I'll, I will talk this game a little bit more seriously. Um, you were you know, very thanks for not on. talking about it seriously before. No, it's okay, you know, <laughs> I, I do what I can again. Like, I don't even know the full squads of most A League sides, at the, which is abundantly clear. And you didn't still know that Leo Laquad fucking not been a West United player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. We're not gonna. I won't live it down, and and that will be your pride and joy until you know, well into the new year. So yeah, I'm being you know. mean. I'm being mean. <laughs> I I would. I really loved seeing Nisbet push higher. It was mm. fun. Mm. It's, he's so fun. Like but, I just like. That, I just wanna... Yes, yes. That is exactly he, right. He's not, that he's is the not, word for Josh Nisbet. He's just fun. He's not. He's not like. Oh, he's not like extremely like world class, technically brilliant. He's not doing step overs mm. and doing. You know, Rabona's rainbow flicks doing all, all that shit. He's also not just like you know, 
smashing people, you know, into the dirt and yelling at them whilst they're on the ground and making them cry. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not like an archetypal player. He's just really fun. Like you just watch him. He's like, that guy loves football. He just really loves it. He loves you know, you know the thing like, though? Like I can imagine like the role that he played in the second half, like he has to take up those positions, left half space. You have to be ready in those moments. Quick transitions were happening. And he just played the position perfectly. Like his positioning was spot on. Every time he could get it, he could be effective. He's facing forward. And he just does the simple things right. And yeah. that's why I rate him so highly. And then it was like, that's why I got so excited at the end. It's like, oh my God, now he's going to like Josh Nisbet clear out mode and I'm going to put the ball top corner to win the game. Um, And and then he, and he missed two that went over the bar. But man, uh, that was exciting. And I don't know. Th- th- like I'm... Now, like with the Mariners, like I'm, like I'm suddenly, like, like straight back in. I'm pulled in again. It's like next week. I'm kind of like, okay, I want to see is he going to play ten again, or like how's Jackson going to do this? Because, um, yeah, interesting. Just, just, just to finish my, he's fun. You said he does the simple things right. He does the simple things so right. And we talked about how he was sort of, he sort of sometimes just fades into the background of a Central Coast Mariners performance when they're playing really well. And he just never gets his sort of, you know, sung. I think with the players that they've lost in the off season, he's really starting to shine as, as a focal point, which he, he, he does deserve because he's been around that team for so long. And like I said, he, he's just like a joy to watch on the football pitch and not because he does ridiculous, you know, skills or scores you know thunder bastards from 45 year- yards out or is the top dog score the leg scoring who scores goals. thunder bastards from 45 yards out i don't know someone <laughs> does somewhere in the world probably in the uh, ask uh, ask our good mate jake probably someone <laughs> probably, yeah, probably like someone in Cypri- the maltese premier league yeah, yeah right. cypriot cypriot league something like that <laughs> um, but it's just like um to see him sort of get his own time he's just like you know it's it's just awesome. I just have an awesome feeling when I watch Josh Nisbet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had an awesome feeling when I watched the Mariners second half on uh, <laughs> on on Sunday. Just awesome. Um, Cody Angel Torres, you in? You joining me? I'm not gonna join you as far as of where course you're you not. Are. You, you're just such a you're such a buzzkill, man. No, it's not that I'm a buzzkill. It was a great performance, but I need more than just one really really good game to say that he's going to be a consistent performer. What I will say is that... Well, 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 Marcus Yunus hasn't started an early game yet and he's Aussie Neymar, so... Hey, I was doing like a... rainbow flicks over grown men, all right? Christian, this is, this is like <laughs> when you talk about guys coming through Adelaide and you see him play well at an NPL level. I've seen this guy play well at an NPL level. I know what Anyway, it's not about Marcus Yunus. Just, just yeah. whatever. You're saying. But I'm just, I'm just, you, you <laughs> raise a stupid point, and I was trying to make sure that you knew you raised a stupid point. Listen, anyway. I'm just, I just feel a lot of vindication about Angel Torres, and I want to talk about Angel Torres. No, it's not about vindication. I even said it last week. It looked like a different player playing when Marin's kind of changed his system around. He's playing a little bit deeper. He's kind of mm-hmm. driving in from different spaces. Mm-hmm. And if he continues playing well in a new role, of course I'm going to be on the hype train. I'm not going to, just because he scored a hat trick doesn't mean I'm just going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, this is it. Like he's going to be the best player in the league or anything like that. Because you never know, it could go on from here and be really, really poor. But no, fair enough. Yeah. By the, by the, on the flip side, he could also go on from here, take this confidence boost and be really, really good. That's That's I'm, what I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hope he does. Like, for Mariner's sake, like, you invest in a player like this. I said last week as well, we mentioned the um, comment I made about your visa signings. You want them to come in and be mm. your top performers no matter what, how old they are. And that we came, that conversation came around Angel Torres. 
if this is a standard that he kind of sets for himself and it's a high standard. So I guess it's not something I say week in, week out, but him playing like that is what you kind of expect from your visa plays. You want them to come in and you want them to win your points. You want them to make an impact. So in that regard, 100%, great performance, but it's a matter of how does he move on fr- mm-hmm. from here? Because let's just say this is a 19-year-old Australian, 100%. I'd be hyping him up going, oh, yeah, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But from a visa signing... O- Aussie you- merchant, far out. <laughs> You do, you need that level of expectation for a visa signing. Like you want them to yeah. be every now and then come in and actually have a major impact on your side. I hope he does it week for going on, moving on into the rest of the season. It'll show that Mariners made the right choice by bringing him in, investing in a player like this. But I'm going to reserve my hype train and stock market buyers until I've seen him at least play at a decent level for a few more weeks. So basically, everyone buy as much Angel Torres stock as you can because every time, because <laughs> if you come down hard on him, he's just gonna show up. <laughs> hey, can um that guy who tweeted about him being the worst foreign signing in the league just like do it do do it again or something next week? That'd be great. It's a really um, weird comment to make when you uh, factor in that like Dino Cressinger and Mark, uh, and also no, Michael Bissell also like, play in the league. Also, Mario also, but also, and <laughs> Jack Canard, William like, Gallas. No, no, but more to the point, forget about guys who have played. What about foreign signings who just haven't played? Like, um, you know, Jack, like Jason Bathomia, like, are we sure, like, he's not a worse foreign signing than Angel Torres right now? Look, look, um, you know, it's close. It's Sabah very, very close. close. I think it's, I think it's definitive. It, it, it's very close. It's very close. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, he's not ready yet. Uh, that's a quote. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let, let's see how long the, he's not ready yet goes for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, we haven't really spoke about City. Um, I mentioned about them being a little bit individualistic. Uh, Jack Cody, I don't know if any of you want to kind of give your thoughts on what you saw here because, yeah, I'm just I'm just very underwhelmed by them at the it's, moment. It's – how do you say this? You had a coach in Rado Vitasic where you did feel like he was relying on the individual strengths of players to be able to produce a result. There wasn't really much – tactical insight or tactical nuances from his point of view. And I guess the hope was Aurelio Vidmar would come in. That would be rectified. There'd be some form of direction in this team. And I won't say that it's at the extent of what Rado Vidasic is doing with this side, but you do get the sense that at least those tactical nuances are very inconsistent. There's days where they go into a game and they do look quite good. There's games, they're not, it's not even just narrowed down to the performance on the weekend. You can even look at their some of the Champions League performances where they're in a tight, tough situation and they probably do need a little bit of guidance from a coach where what they're doing just simply isn't working. And instead of trying to change things up in the final third, they're just kind of sitting back and going, well, we've got these players that are meant to be really good. Let's mm-hmm. just hope one of them does something. And, you know, you've spoken about Natel is just a really odd signing. I don't like. I know he's played well in the last couple of games. I don't know if I'm 100 percent sold on. Yeah, look, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna like. I'm gonna like the inverse to your Torres thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna like write him off. Uh, completely now. Like, yeah. Uh, let's let's see what he can do because he did. It's, it's, he it's provided a nice sign. assist for that Arsenal goal. To be fair, but there's um, there's look. It'd make even less sense if um Naboo wasn't injured. I guess, but sometimes things like that force. Yeah, hand. my point is like with with him, I made this point I think last week, like why can't Lapane or Mazio just play more instead? Like I don't understand. It, it comes back you know to the I mean? Sydney FC conversation. You're talking about yeah. a club that does hold high standards and with that comes seeing, uh, 
I guess, preference for senior players that are guaranteed to have an impact. Yeah. The problem is, I don't know if some of these senior players are guaranteed to have an impact. No. Yakulis is in a bit yeah. of a purple patch. I don't know if he's going to be a consistent performer throughout the season. And I don't know if he's at the level that Melbourne City should be asking from their players. You know, I, I actually... Yeah. A few players in Melbourne City, not just in the final third, but in other areas of the pitch that are a bit like that at this moment. Well, you know, it's interesting you mention that, though. I actually think, honestly, I think they have a slightly inverse problem to Sydney FC, where I actually think, like, Arslan, Saki, Yakalis, like, you can't really... Fa- Super Ryan's actually been okay, I think. Like, you can't really fault their foreigners too much for their performances. Like, Saki and Arslan... Well, Yakalis isn't a foreigner. Is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, technically, because yeah, he's obviously got that Aussie link, but I guess he is coming on loan from a French club, so we're kind of viewing him through that lens, I guess. Um, but my point is, like, I don't think, like, it's more their kind of Aussie players who aren't really like, like Jamie Young, Curtis. Yeah, Good, no, no, they're Callum the ones. Tal- yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I'd put Curtis Good and Callum Talbot in that. Well, kind of well, I like Stephen Yukarkovich. I mean, Jamie, Jamie McLaren, Young, yes, Jamie McLaren's not. Even He's, to a certain extent, I don't know if Aziz Bayage has hit the heights we expected. Yes, Aziz Bayage has been quite disappointing, to be but honest. But yeah. that could also be because, you know, him being a soccer room, we do have a higher expectation than just... A, we'd probably expect more from an Aziz Bayage than we would from a Steven Dugakovic. Maybe, but I'm just saying, like, if you've got... Like, he's had Yakulis on his side for most of, like, the season, right? And then you've got, like, someone like a Hamza Saki, someone like a Tolga Arson in your midfield. Like, you, you have freedom to be to provide more in an attacking aspect I feel and I don't think he's really really doing that at the moment um anything for either of you to add on on this game no look there's still quality there that you you'd assume that they can once things start to click they mm-hmm. will go on a good run and they will be in and around the top six or top four I think we said it when even the, when this run first started when Rado was on the verge of getting sacked no matter how bad things get, you do kind of expect them to still be playing finals football. But um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really odd situation that they're in, I guess. Mm, yeah. All right. Final game. Uh, and it looks like, yeah, we are. We are clocking in uh, um, a little bit shorter than last week. Brilliant. Well done, guys. Um, and MacArthur Wellington. Now, I was unfortunately not able to watch this game in full, um, but luckily I've got, I've got, I've got my guys here who have watched it. So, um, Wellington win 3-0. They're, interestingly, now on a run of four games undefeated um, in Australia um, league games. So that's that bodes well at, at any for any Wellington Phoenix team, obviously. Um, they've also won four of their last five league games against MacArthur now, which is interesting. Seems to be a little bit of a bogey team for, for the Bulls. Um, and looks like Bozidar Kryev kind of, you know, was cooking again in this game. Um and he's continuing to have a really good season and we saw Tim Payne provide a really nice assist for that third goal and he's kind of having a really decent season uh, from an offensive standpoint as well. Uh, Alex Paulson makes another penalty save. Who cares? He does it every week. Um, <laughs> grow up, grow up. We get it. You can save. I know. Oh, like fire out this guy. Um, Ben Old came in, played well. Um, which is good to see for Wellingtons. That's you know that John Carlo Italiano I think would be really pleased with that. That he's got, you can bring in a, a bench guy, um, and he can come in and actually give you you know meaningful meaningful contributions. That's what that's what Wellington really need if they're going to kind of go to the next level. Um, 
and a really good response really overall by them to that to that Newcastle loss. Uh, I mean, you know, lose three nil, respond by winning three nil on the road. Like that's that's kind of the perfect way to do it. Um, and from a MacArthur standpoint, uh, we saw. I mean, MacArthur had fifty eight percent of the ball in this game. They actually had one more shot and one more shot on target than the Knicks, uh, but no reward. And yeah, I just wonder if there we've seen that transition heavy counter-attacking team working really well but then they come up against another team who doesn't want the ball either and we kind of saw them yeah uh i guess maybe struggle to play on the front foot a little bit um despite yeah having having most of the ball uh jake holman playing on the left again was interesting to see um and i guess last thing on this is decent crowd decent crowd down at Campbelltown. uh i think just under five thousand. so you know, got to take it. You got to take it as a win, as 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 critical as we all have been of Macarthur. I think it's not too bad. So, um, yeah, Jack, what what did you see here? Um, I think I saw, like you said, two teams that highly are reliant on transition, transitional play, and I think there was sort of that that sort of mental dance in the, in the first twenty minutes, and I think. Even though obviously, you know, the the game was decided in the second half, I I think even then in my mind I was just like Wellington just have it. That is MacArthur didn't. It that was just my opinion. That's my summations. I know they were creating chances. I know it was, you know, in that first half, you could argue that it was really, really even and it was very, very unclear. But I saw that MacArthur were taking more possession. And just the way they work it, they're, they're not, they can't really rely on, on, you know, crossing the ball too much. They like to penetrate through the more central areas. Like from, from what I've seen, um, that's what they were trying to do, at least from, from what I was seeing. Um, I think they were overly reliant on Uli Davila sort of just like pulling something out um, mm. as well, um, you know, because he's been really, really good along with um, German, you know, that little link up between those two has been good all season and it just didn't come off. And then in the second half, you know, Wellington were able to go, all right, we've, we've sort of just like in this first half played the way we've been playing, you know, against teams that are either just as good as us or or better than us. Now it's time to do what we do. And that's just as soon as you give up the ball, we are going to attack at pace and we're going to try and step, step, you know, foot on the gas, you know, whatever you want to say, like uh, foot to the jugular and just like go for the goal. Mm-hmm. And I got to hand it to him. You're, you're noticing like, you know, cry. had a good game. Pan had a good game. Costa Barbarossa's. Yeah. yeah that mm. third, uh, was it the third goal? It was really tidy finish. Yeah. That finish. Yeah. It was, yep. it was, and, and you know, you, you can say what you want about his contributions, you know, in, in his last couple of seasons, um, you know, he's still got um, some sort of quality about him. And uh, I think he deserves uh, definitely uh, a whole lot of praise for that performance because, um, you know, without obviously without his goals contributions, it's it's a 1-0. And, you know, given the penalty and, and how it happens, horrible penalty by, penalty by Davila, by the way. Horrible penalty, you know. But, yeah, um, but he was, he was like shit scared before he took it because Alex Paulson's just like the fear factor is fucking he, insane. He must just like grow like 
10 feet. Like, you know, as soon as they're... Has he got like a... Or is it like a penance stare that he like gives the penalty taker before... They like... need to check... They need to check his like under his sleeves and make sure he doesn't... Not hiding like an Omnitrix or something. And he's just like going forearms, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a niche right. Ben yeah. 10 reference for you nerds out there. Neckbeards. <laughs> okay, so we've gone from Pitbull to Ben 10. Come on, man. All right. It's, it, it's, it's 12 o'clock on a Monday. What do you want from me? Honestly. Um, but yeah. Uh, and that, that is not midday, by the way. Anyway. Anyway, back to Costa Barbaros. Without those two goals, you know, penalty, you know, maybe Uli de Villa, you know, can do better. It's 1-1 and, you know, you may only walk away with, you know, a share of the points. So uh, I think that Costa Barbaros definitely deserves the praise for that performance. Yeah. Cody, uh, title contending MacArthur uh, going down to a 3-0 loss. What, uh, what did you see? I, th- I think you're very reactionary, Christian. And I think that's something uh, that happens. Likewise, buddy. Likewise. It's, no, but my, my opinion was formed by what I'd seen over a season. You're let's please, come please. Back let's we spoke about this for 45 minutes last week. No, it's... People... I'm just going to get my pillow now and like just set up on my yeah, desk. Yeah, get ready for bed, mate. <laughs> yep, yep. No, but people read into this and think, oh, yeah, MacArthur's being brought back down to earth because of one result. That's not like what I said with Angel Torres. I'm not going to make an opinion based on what I've seen from one performance or one game. It's it's a long season still to go ahead. MacArthur has shown signs that they can be a competent football team this season, a very, very good team this season. So I'm going to let... That was a fly going around me. That was really annoying. Anyway, I digress. MacArthur has shown signs this season where they can actually play some good football. Sorry, sorry, I'm it's not... happening again. The later the podcast gets, the more chaotic it becomes. Anyway. <laughs> no, there was a stupid fly going around my head and it was annoying me. And I lost, it almost made me lose my train of thought. But I'm not going to judge MacArthur base on one performance. I still think there's signs there that they can be a really good side. I think when it comes to this game, it was actually a really interesting tactical battle. I think both of you have made that observation where, you know, you are talking about two sides that don't really like the ball. Wellington kind of came on top where they let MacArthur have the what ball. What did the ball MacArthur... do to Milo Sujovsky or John Carlo Italiano? Why do you not Well, like to be it? fair, when you look at MacArthur when they go and play in the um, AFC Cup, they are playing game where they're on the front foot. Unfortunately, today they Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a quality thing though as well. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah. they're not playing against Filipino plumbers today, are they? So there well, is yeah, a no, with all due very, respect very to the Filipino different... plumbers. <laughs> and and, and not... to be fair, no, one thing to defend MacArthur here is that that travel may be kind of, and, and more that Catching travel over... A six six game, uh, not six, you know, over many weeks, uh, kind of eventually kind of catches up to you. Um, and I mean, just also like two two weeks in a row, not two weeks in a row. Um, it would be what? Um, two of the last three weeks, um, playing, you know, Monday nights, and it's just kind of like for a player, it's just a weird rhythm to kind of be in, I guess, and. You know, it's it's good. Like I think we should be accommodating our teams in Asian competition like that. But I think as a player, it'd be strange to kind of, you know, on a Monday, usually what doing a morning session, and then you know it's Monday, like whatever, and then Tuesday probably another session. And but like you're like it's Monday and it's game day. So yeah, they kind of they dealt with it against Adelaide, but maybe that travel kind of has has kind of contributed a little bit here too. And look, it doesn't get any easier. Look at their schedule going ahead. They've got seven games between now and the um, end of mm. January. And considering mm. now is when they've played an eighth game, it's not necessarily. Hey, that's that. Hey, good. that's that depth that's going to be uh, tested. Hey, and one hundred percent. If they, it's their credentials as a genuine title contender will be tested in this period. Mm-hmm. If they can't navigate this period and they start slipping down, one hundred percent. 
they it must have just been that they were on a good start. And Maybe if that not, happens, will you eat humble pie? It's not about eating humble pie. I made an observation on what I saw, and I'll stand by what I saw. I I I see the bare bones of a side that could have a really good season and could push for top honors. I'm and that's something I'm not going to retract. That opinion is going to be tested by what they grit through the next in the next few weeks. If they can navigate that, I think we're looking at a side that is a genuine chance to actually win the title and not just talk talking about being in amongst it. I think this is where these periods are where you kind of. Yeah, these totally periods agree. are what make you yeah. as a football team. Yeah, if they can sure. navigate a period like this, mm-hmm. they put in the league on notice. If they can't navigate a period like this, I don't think they're going to be disastrous and fall right off either. I think no, no. to a certain extent they'll be somewhat good during this period as yeah. well. But yeah, how well, they can go and push towards the top will be tested now, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think. But we we were talking about victory before, and I said how they've got the derby now, and then they've got the original rivalry, so they're in a similar spot. So it's this. Is interesting and also, like you know, can I can I just butt in there because I yeah. think you're talking about in a way, and I, I mean this with as little disrespect to MacArthur as possibly. You are talking a bit chalk and cheese here when you're talking no, no, about no, no, victory. No, 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 I'm just like, no, hang on. No, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me explain yeah. because you're talking about a Melbourne victory side who's going into two of their biggest games of the season. That's Jack. Stop that. Um, Jack's making nap. Yeah. He's making nap symbols because 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 it's you're talking away. about yeah. a, you're talking about a Melbourne victory side that. When they go into these games, there is still that level of expectation. As a club, there's that level of expectation. With MacArthur, maybe some of the pushback about them being a title contender is the fact that they aren't as big a club as Mom Victor. We don't expect them to be in these positions. And you can use the analogy of an elephant at the top of a tree. You don't know how it got there, but you expect it to fall off eventually. But I just don't see MacArthur in that way. I actually think that they've got an exciting side that when everything's kind of clicking... They can be a bit of a force in this league. If I I'm not, wanna, not saying that, yeah, I know. I don't exaggerate it a little bit, but yeah, there's, there's, there's differences with how you look at MacArthur and how you look at Melbourne Victory. That's what no, I'm but to say. there's not. No, no, no. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but there's not differences in the sense that every club, every team who's going well to start a season is going to face a period. I mean, we're seeing that if you want to use a European example, we just saw this with Antipostacogli, right? Had a really great start. Three losses in a row, okay. Now, how are they going to react to it? Uh, and now, now this is where like Spurs are getting judged, for example. So yeah. MacArthur, okay. This this loss, you're right. No, you're totally right. This loss could just be a dent in their record, and who cares? And maybe they just pick up from here, and they'll be decent, and they'll hover around that top four area or, or whatever. Um, or, you know, that that seven games like you talk about, do they only win two of them, and then it's like okay. Like now we kind of have found out more about you. So what what I was only saying about victory to use that example, and it'd be the same for for other clubs, is like, can you if because it's like victory, it's like okay, can you go nine from nine over those three big games like I mentioned? Then we're like okay, now we're pretty positive that this team's going to be pretty serious. Um, when it when season seasons end comes around, you look at like Adelaide for example, and it's like. They failed the test like a few weeks ago, if in my opinion. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, they kind of did exactly what we expected. You know, like Brisbane, the tough period will come at some point. Um, maybe it's now. They've just lost 2-1. Wellington, they responded to losing 3-0 last week with a 3-0 win. So all these teams who you mentioned last week, I remember you mentioned, I think you mentioned Brisbane, you mentioned the Wanderers. Okay. So- I mentioned just about everyone in the top seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, but Melbourne City is the inverse, where it's like, okay, when are they going to have 
are they going to have a period where they're going to go on a run? You mentioned it just then. If they don't have that period, well, mm, maybe they just are what they are. So this is where it's going to be interesting to judge these teams. And the A-League has got this kind of, obviously we've got the United round of stuff, but this year, Adelaide United, I think are in a very similar predicament to what you just said about MacArthur, where they've got a shit ton of games coming up. So it's going to be really interesting because this is where we find out more about coaches, where we find out more about squads, tactics, because now you're rotating. Now you really have to rely on whatever you've built in the first kind of eight rounds. So um, look, either way, man, if you're right, I'm right. Who cares? Like, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, um, yeah definitely. Uh, Jack, anything to add on this? Uh, no, I, I don't want to. No, wanna... I want to go to sleep. That's what Jack's saying. Yeah, so... I don't want to participate in another lengthy MacArthur um, conversation. But well, also, credit well, moo, to the... well, moo, moo to you. Far out. Moo, moo, moo. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that um, I was impressed by the crowd also. And I think that macarthur you know and positive macarthur off-field chat <laughs> yeah I, I just think that sometimes it gets taken a, a little bit too far i mean no one I, I can't tell you one club maybe maybe melbourne victory and adelaide united but besides those two i i can't tell you a club that is doing extremely well mm. with maintaining their crowd numbers and mm. getting crowds in the stadium so you mm. know you know just under 5,000 on a Monday night, school holidays, good vibes, and fun had by all. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie Slater. Have some of that. Far out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, man. Um, all right. <laughs> Front page football. Make sure you're following us on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Threads. Follow us on Spotify. Um, did I mention TikTok? Yes. Hopefully looking to be a bit more active in that area with some more clips from from these podcasts uh so you don't have to sit there and ra- hit, listen to us ramble on for for two hours um well, hey, well done to well done to the three of us we, we've 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 got our time down this week good stuff guys well done give yourself a pat on the back i will yeah okay awesome um and now jack can go to bed at an appropriate time um i'm still, I'm still and- in the favor train by the way i've just been reading up about um leila Kwa's new club in the romanian league so um you know uh, your former home of Michael Baird, Space Dolevsky, Josh Mitchell, and Josh, <laughs> Joshua Rose, funnily enough. So, you know, wow. it's been a very productive. Okay, excellent. Last couple of minutes, yeah. Well done, well done. Um, interesting. Maybe you can do some more um, Maltese Premier League scouting as well uh, next week if, if you're on. Um, find another angle, Torres. Um, anyway, let's... Uh... Let's wrap it up. Uh, feel free to give us some feedback on the podcast as well. We're always open to it. Um, and yeah, boys, anything to add before we go? Um, looking forward to taking the hosting duties for yes. the next edition. We we should I'll mention say that. that much. So the next three editions, I will not be here. Um, I'll be away. But um, Cody Ojeda is going to is going to step into the hosting role for for a little bit. Front front page dub zone. Uh, Cody Jada. So, so, uh, yeah. Uh, fuck. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to the battle for ninth place next week against Newcastle Jets and Adelaide United. It's yeah, gonna it's going to be interesting. Of, it's going to be a hell of a match. It's going to be a cracker. <laughs> that is going to be a cracker. All right. Um, and oh, yeah. Before I mention, make sure you give us a name for the for the Newcastle Jets Perth Glory Derby. Uh, we've got receivership derby, quarter method derby. Um, any others? Feel free to 
feel free to let us know. Can we call it the please buy us derby? Just like as a please buy us derby. Honestly, hope. any uh, any sort of variations. Yeah. We should call it call it the eBay Games derby because everything's always on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, right. All right. That's been another episode of the Frappy Page Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. And until the next time, the next time? Jesus. Until the next one. It's bye for now. Bye.